Skunk it. I guess full disclosure right up front. We're we're in a new we're in a new flat. New locate new studio. What are you yeah. talking about flat for? Yeah, <laughs> new studio. Yeah. If this was a studio, it would be at the very least soundproofed. <laughs> um this is definitely like our weirdest setup yet, because I think mostly we've just had like a table yeah. to kind of sit at. We do have a table in this flat, it's just in the kitchen. And we're like, well, we don't want to sit in the kitchen. Like don't be banished to the yeah, kitchen. Don't be banished to the kitchen. It's not homely in there. The, ki- the, the living room's where it's at. And also, the, the issue as well is that <clears throat> this, the, the last flat, recording studio, sorry, <laughs> was in a very residential area. So it was very quiet. Didn't really matter where you were in the flat. It was very quiet. This flat is smack bang in like the center of town. <laughs> yeah. Um. So regardless of whether you sit in the kitchen or in the living room, you have a main road with lots of cars going down it all the time. <laughs> so we're going to hope that doesn't affect this. Yeah, I mean, this could make or break the podcast. Really. Yeah. We could get to the end of this episode and be like, it's unlistenable and be like, we just have to cancel. Either that or we record it at yours, which that means, you know... Of you venturing out to mine. <sighs> I mean, maybe I could, I could start coming to yours and you could start editing it. Ooh. That'd be a fun My laptop? Blind. Yeah, your laptop, I don't know. Take months. <laughs> I'd have to wind it up for an hour first. <laughs> Like a big crank that you. Wait, oh, my laptop's a jack in the box. <laughs> just <laughs> no, just realised. Twisted it the wrong way. Um, so hopefully it doesn't affect it too much. We are also recording. Again, we've not thought this through. We are recording at like rush hour. <laughs> like it's it's going to be five o'clock in a minute. Oh dear. So maybe this wasn't the best idea, but we're going to see how it goes. We're young. We're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah, we run free. We're foolish. Exactly. And we learn from those endeavours. This is also our weirdest setup because like I was saying, we've we've normally had a table. Yeah. This one we don't really have that. So I'm sat like on my sofa, and then you've opted to sit at the other side of the room on the floor <laughs> with your mic like on the on the coffee table. Yeah. So it's this well, you're is holding your microphone. Yeah, which, which you're I not think into. will get tiresome after a while. It might. And I'm also worried I am worried about like the, the kind of <clears throat> the potential cla- like like clattering noises that it might make as if it, I move if around. it seems like Scott's shuffling like it's because it's I am shuffling it's because he's doing forward rolls throughout the whole yeah. podcast because con- you got to continuous stay, forward roll you got to keep that energy up yeah. so you got to just do some star jumps do some exercises otherwise how are you going to get to the Olympics with your gymnastics that's like well because every podcast worth worth a damn has like a gimmick doesn't it yeah like no one just wants to listen to two guys talk I about movies anymore are like so, fringe shows. They yeah. always seem to be a kind of a gimmick about So maybe it. our thing should be like, oh, listen to these two guys, you know, uh, discuss uh, discuss movies while, doing while also doing an intensive workout routine <laughs> for 45 minutes to an hour. What would it be called? What would it be called? I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. We can come back to that though. Because uh, what I've just learned in that moment is we're not funny enough to come up with something <laughs> right out the gate. Yeah, it must be something obvious. Mm. What are like movies about muscle boys? The Warrior, Rocky, yeah, uh, the Fighter. <laughs> well, he was an alcoholic. Anything. One of them was, was or were both of them, or was everyone in that movie an alcoholic or a drug addict? That was one where Christian Bale's really skinny. Yeah, yeah. What was the deal in that? 
Was he on drugs? Were they all on drugs? Did he not have AIDS? Did he? Oh my lord! Ooh. It's been a while since I've, I've seen literally that film. seen it once. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologies thought, if that is the case. <laughs> I'm I not think being he might have AIDS, but I'm not hundred percent mm. sure. That's not. Yeah, it's I not mean, no, none of it's funny, is it? You know no. what I mean. <laughs> um, so yeah, bear with us. Yeah, we're figuring it out. Happy New Year, Danny. Happy New Year. How um, how do you feel right out the bat about sort of movies in 2019 and sort of your the movies you watched and your general overview of 2019? How are you mm. feeling about it? Because <clears throat> we had some biggins. Yeah. The what's it called? The Marvel films came to an end, kind of, until they make more. And <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars did the exact yeah. same thing. Star yeah. Wars came to an end. Star Wars ended. But now, until they make more. Until they make more. <laughs> Which they 100% I guess the only difference is Avengers came to an end until they make more. <clears throat> and then a couple of months later, Spider-Man came out. Yeah. Because so I remember thinking it was ballsy that, like, they did Captain Marvel. And then within the time that Captain Marvel was in cinemas... They released Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And I was like, that's like, fuck. There you go. Just the sounds of the street. You're getting like a real, like authentic inner city yeah. podcast right now. That's I'm... our gimmick. Yeah. Not gymnastics. Not gymnastics. It's the inner city podcast. Unless it's just two men talk about films next to a busy, busy road. Look, it'd be perfect if there was no road rounds, but that's not real enough. Yeah. We've got to be real. We've got to be down to earth. And look, as I think I said in the Christmas episode, we, you know, we got kind of thrown out of our flat last minute. So kind of had to take what we could get. Yeah. <laughs> something selfish yeah exactly our one listener yeah <laughs> what if this is when we finally get like an itunes review <laughs> so you can't really hear them talking over the fucking rush hour traffic outside oh no um so yeah like uh, how, how are you kind of feeling about um about the year in general in terms of movies and your movie watching experiences and i don't think i've been blown away this year mm. I feel like I've been. It's not been necessarily a bad year for film. There mm-hmm. have been good films, but I feel like every year there's always good films. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like this year, every year there's good films. Daddy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very diplomatic when it comes to my years. Mm. Don't want to upset any of them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> especially especially 2014. I saw. A, it's I saw. A, I saw a comment on Reddit today because obviously this year has kind of gotten off to a pretty crazy start yes like america nearly went to war and australia's on fire um and someone was like god remember like 2016 when just all the celebrities were dying (laughs) and we thought it was like like remember 2016 came to an end and everyone was like there was that whole thing of like fuck you 2016 like 2016 was the worst year like and it's like everything that's happened in the first week of 2020 has been infinitely worse than like anything that happened in 2016 well excuse me 2016 was trump elected and brexit that's true but then this year we got trump trying to fucking push a war yeah but that's because and then also brexit's gonna start kicking off now if 2020 was trying to make it uh it was writing excuses if it was like uh trying to fight its case in court 2020 would be like i wouldn't have this problem if 2016 mm, didn't yeah that's very true not elect donald trump. i almost feel like 2016 was like a a, a sort of prologue for what's to come or a prelude yeah. of like what's to come yeah now we're in chapter one <laughs> um yeah i think that this year with films something that i noticed when i was trying to come up with like my kind of favorite films like my top 10 and i think something that i was finding both with like stuff i enjoyed and stuff i didn't was like i was hard pressed to remember a lot of it yes you don't think 2019 was a memorable i almost feel like i didn't think back on stuff as much as i usually do so when i came to like trying to kind of come up with like a top 10 
and I would be like, uh, you know, like Booksmart. Like I absolutely loved Booksmart at the time I saw it. Like I remember coming out, just being so kind of infatuated by it. But I would be, I feel like I'd almost be hard pressed as much as I love it to sit here and have a conversation with you about it yeah. without rewatching it. Okay. And there's a few films on this list that like I could sit, like, you know, there's the kind of, there's those films that sort of you just talk about a lot. Like they're just in the kind of converse, like the public conversation. So something like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like I could still give you my pretty concise views now as I could like when I first saw it. Same with something like Avengers Endgame because fuck it, everyone's talking about that all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think something like Hustlers, which I saw, you know, like five months ago, I feel like I would struggle more now to talk about why I enjoyed it. I could still say I really loved it. And I could give you like a very basic, like it's, you know, the fucking sexiest movie of 2019. And I'm, I'm down for that. But like, outside of that like very kind of surface level stuff i don't really feel like i can go too in depth and another thing i feel like i i noticed this year and it was something that i kind of had to like i kind of obviously joker came out this year yeah and we're not big joker fans no but joker seems to be the film this year that people have picked as like the film yeah um and obviously we're not big fans of it and so you end up having a lot of conversations with people who are and you, I never like to be the guy who's like, that film fucking sucks and stuff. But I'll be like, yeah, I wasn't into it. And then I kind of give them my reasons for not liking it. And they don't see eye to eye with me. And then I kind of have to be like, yeah, but you know what? Like, I also really liked Gemini Man and Battle Angel Alita. So, like, what the <laughs> fuck do I know? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get what you mean, though, with the memorability. I'm just not... There was a... We were just yeah. listing off some films just before recording to mention and there was a bunch of them i was just like yeah like i said it's like i almost i i I can't remember what i can't remember enough about a lot of them to be able to talk about them in depth as much as i either loved or hated them you know what i mean which is quite like i'm looking at my list and i'm like okay so like my top three least favorite films this year i'm like i think i could say i think i could have like a conversation with you about all three of those but then you hit number four like velvet buzzsaw I'm like, I know I hated it. I know I absolutely fucking hated it. But I don't think I'd be able to give you a reason outside of some like very basic things that I remember about yeah. a film I watched in February or January. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, so, you know. And Maybe I, that's I, I do think it say, is just yeah. because this year's kind of been a busy year and like it's it's hard to find time to revisit stuff as much as we used to. Yeah. Like, when we were in uni and stuff, you would just fucking watch films and re-watch films all the time and we mm. don't really have time for that anymore you're also surrounded by a lot more people that talked about films yeah so you would have conversations about hustlers mm-hmm. rather than now everyone's like what's hustlers well yeah now it's it's also that thing of like not only do i not have a lot of time to see as many movies these days but all of our friends are kind of in the same boat so like while i saw hustlers nobody else did no i, I know so it's kind of hard then because i'm like that conversation dies out pretty quickly in my mind. You know what I mean? Mm. Because I don't talk to anyone about it really. Aside from being like, it was great and you should see it. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably more like personal kind of, <sighs> that's big lorry going by. I don't know how much of this is going to get picked up. Like we could be commenting on it and people are like, what are they talking about? But I feel like you could definitely hear. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a loud one. Um, 
So yeah, like we'll just dive in. Yeah, let's just go for it, man. Let's and we'll just, just kind of see like how we get on. Yeah. Like how do you want to fucking start? Or do you have like a favorite film of this year? And um, like a least favorite film? Do we build up to those or do we just come out the gate with those? Let's build up to those. Build up we'll to them? build up to those. Okay. You know what, Danny? I actually, yeah, I, I was going to surprise you and be like, oh, I'm actually hijacking the, 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 the 2019 film of the year because there's only one film we need to talk about and it's cats <laughs> and I was gonna, this is just a cats podcast yeah cats podcast which were 100 percent. i mean that film's gonna get fucking talked to death yeah like we're gonna need in to a do good it. or a bad way oh in a in a very bad way i don't think anyone likes it do they oh no because i went seen... to see it did i tell you uh no i went to see it yes yeah danny it's it's a fucking nightmare yeah <laughs> so like i went to see it with a friend of mine my friend lewis and um, something that becomes very apparent very quickly is how nonsensical it is. Right. And I'm not just talking about, like, if you haven't seen the stage show. Because I've since looked into the stage show and it's the same. So, like, I would say 98% of this film is absolute gibberish. <laughs> right? The film st- So, the film starts off... And they sing a song called Jellicle Cats. And they introduce... Sorry, the film starts off. Our main character gets dropped by a human. She's in a bag. She gets dropped into the street. And then all these other cats come out. And they start surrounding her. And it's quite intense. And they start singing about Jellicle Cats. And they're like... The song goes, Because Jellicles can. And Jellicles do. Jellicles do what Jellicles can. Jellicles can. And Jellicles do. Jellicles can. And Jellicles do. Right? Right? So you're sitting there and you're going, Right? <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> and then the film never tells you it never tells you what a jellicle cat is do you know the plot of cats no right let me give you a very quick summary of the plot of cats right i'm telling you i'm hijacking it we're talking about cats the plot of cats is that there's a group of cats called the jellicle cats again not explained what jellicle cats are and they are going to the jellicle ball okay which is where the leader of the cats whose name is old deuterotomy and is played by judy dench yes um is going to listen to all the cats sing a song about themselves and then she's going to pick one of the cats to die blimey <laughs> they're gonna go to what they call the heavy side lair and they're gonna be like reborn okay and that's that's the plot of cats and so the whole film every song is just I'm I'm this cat. I'm Gus. And my thing is, I'm the theatre cat. Here's a song about the theatre. And then he goes away. And he's never seen again. And then a new cat comes forward. And he's like, hey, I'm this guy. My thing is, I like trains. Here's a ten minute song about trains. And then disappears for the whole movie. Never see him again. That's the film. Okay. It's just a series of characters introducing themselves. And then Judy Dench picks one of them and says, yes, you will die. And then she floats off in a balloon into the sky. And Brilliant. the movie ends. That's the plot. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. I'm not telling you which cat. <laughs> <laughs> As if that would mean anything to I'm me right now. I'm not going to tell you which cat. <laughs> but it's a cat. Okay. And then Judy Dench. This is the weirdest part. Right. I'm just going to tell you this. At the this end is of the, the weirdest part? At the end, oh, there's so much weird shit. The fucking daddy. I, can tell, I need you to watch it at some point. I do want to watch it. Um. So there's a, the, the very end of the movie... Judy Dench's character looks directly into the camera. Okay. And does this weird kind of like spoken word poetry thing about how you should treat a cat and how you should name a cat 
and feed a cat and then all the cats like repeat it in sort of melody back to her and that's that's like the ending of the film and i don't i don't understand it it goes on for so long that's the other thing you feel every fucking minute of this movie danny it goes by slow like i went to the bathroom what i thought was halfway into it and i came back and i leaned over at my friend and i was like i was like it's all this has only been on for 35 minutes (laughs) i was like lewis this still has an hour and 15 minutes to go i was like i can't i can't deal with this like, I take it you've seen the trailer. Yes. And so you've oh, seen the we, terrifying... We, talk, we talked about the trailer on this very yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, of course. So you've seen the terrifying animation. Yeah. Because the issue you run into with that animation is like... Like, I get the stage show. You watch the stage show, and it's people dressed as cats. And you're just, you know, you... you, you... Yeah, part of, part of theatre, though, yeah, is understanding exactly. props and sets, like, are representations exactly. of the real-life equivalent. You extend your disbelief, and you're like, right, they're people dressed as cats, they're meant to be cats. Moving on. The issue that this film runs into with the character design is that they're not they're not just people dressed as cats. They are these kind of weird human cat with, with weird human people with cat features and then they don't look like cats either. So they don't look like humans, they don't look like cats. So it's like your head's just like these are weird alien creatures. <laughs> and it's like I'm not supposed to like extend my disbelief and be like that's a cat like no this is a film and i'm looking at that and that's not a cat that's a fucking weird alien Aye. every it battle every creative decision they they pick the wrong one and it's genuinely <laughs> mind-boggling the fact that hundreds of people worked on that film and nobody sort of stood up and was like hey tom hooper director of the king's speech and les mis and the danish girl maybe 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 we just do animated cats or some, or maybe we just put them in actual costumes and maybe we don't do this weird fucking CGI hybrid thing that we got going on. I don't understand it. It's yeah. truly baffling. It's still not my least favourite movie of the year. There's one more. But I just, I felt like it needed to be talked about right out the gate. As someone who saw cats and it's fresh in my head and let me tell you, it's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. Um, I definitely didn't want to see it in the cinema. Especially for the uh, the feel it every minute of it i think to me cats is a oh my god cats is out on dvd yeah pick it up get some for 10.99 yeah (laughs) well yeah that that is that's always the issue sometimes when you go to see something that looks that bad in the cinema is that you do still kind of have to so me and lewis we were laughing a lot yeah but we were laughing in a sort of like we were laughing in a kind of a conscientious way because we knew yeah. that there would be people in the cinema who were They'll genuinely there and who were enjoying yeah. cats. I don't know how, but <laughs> I'm sure they exist. And so it's like you have to kind of stifle your laughter a bit. And we would like whisper something to each other every now and again. But yeah. Like, let me give you an example of like the dramatic stakes in this movie. I'm, I'm just going to spoil some more for you. So there's a scene in the movie where Idris Elba d- makes Judy Dench disappear. Okay. And there's a, so there's magic, incidentally. Some <laughs> of the cats are magic, some of them aren't. Some of them like trains. Um, so he disappears, Judy Dench. And then they're all like, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to get Judy Dench back? And it's like, oh, don't worry. We have Mr. Mistopheles. He's our magic cat. You could just bring her back. And then they sing a song which goes, um, it's something like, oh, never did I ever, ever hear of a cat so clever as magical Mr. Mistopheles. I think it's that. It's something along those lines. And they basically just keep singing that at him. And then he'll try to bring Judy Dench back and it doesn't work. 
and then they start the chorus again and they sing it again and then he tries it again and it doesn't work and then they try it again and they, they repeat this three times my lord right and I came out of the cinema and I said to Lewis I was like I in that in that sort of sequence thought that I died in the cinema <laughs> and that my own personal hell was thinking that the song was about to end and every time I thought it was about to end a new chorus started <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, genuine nightmare. Uh, ten out of ten, best film of the year. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good one. And that's that's the podcast over. Um, if you guys want to see us next week, <laughs> we'll see if we can sort the traffic issue out. Get yeah. The, <laughs> get the road road closed for every time we want to record. We'll get all sorted. Yeah. Or we, you know, yeah, maybe we like record in the bathroom. There's no windows in the bathroom. Ooh, let's do Be that. Very. We could take Ooh. a bath. Oh. Oh, nice. Together. Oh, that sounds really relaxing. I don't know if the bath would fit both of us. Mm. We're both big boys. If though, I'll go around to Lush. Go out to Lush. Is this what people tuned in for? Do you think Lush? <laughs> so I'm sure they've bath. got one. Two boys taking baths. <laughs> There's your podcast. Two guys you talk about movies. Yeah, in a bath. But they're in a bath. But they're in a bath. Because you've got to have that butt whenever you're talking about. You've podcasts. always got to have the butt. <laughs> it's two two white guys talking about um, movies. But <laughs> but they uh, balance on a fridge the whole time. They're in a bath next to a busy road doing gymnastics. <laughs> um. What is there anything you'd like to talk about right off the bat? Do you want to get into some categories? Should we get into some categories? What category would you like to start on? Should we start off with superhero films? The big the big blockbusters yes. of these days. Well, I guess we all I mean we already talked earlier this year about Avengers. That mm. was kind of like initial uh that was like initial kind of thoughts, I guess, yeah. after we'd both seen it once. How many times have you seen it now? Have you seen it any have you seen I've it seen it again? twice now. I've seen it three times now. Okay. Um how are you feeling about it now? I I, I feel like I feel the same way. Mm. Um, it's a, a really effectively done conclusion to the whole um, 22-odd film saga and is really well balanced. It does hit emotional beats. It does fan service really well. And um, I, I would have criticisms, criticisms for it and things I feel like they could have done better on. But overall, it is really mental that the whole thing works it's kind of just an incredible achievement yeah that. all of those films are connected and all of it uh, there's quite a few of them could be so much better than they actually are yeah but it's just incredible that like that exists now it like is. that's the infinity saga is now it's not a half complete franchise even though it plans to to continue yeah but that's you could, a thing you could sort of stop yeah and that is like yeah. a complete story now which is quite that is quite incredible that that exists it's that, incredible it must be absolute nonsense to anyone who's sort of never seen like the bulk yeah. of the marvel movies yeah especially when they start doing the whole time heist thing a lot of that must be just nonsensical to you but it is it's in fairness it, that's what the film is it's a film for the fans yeah and there's a lot of fans by golly it's it, the highest grossing film of all time now isn't it I believe so. It beat, it beat Avatar. Oh, it was Avatar. It's got yeah. to beat. Which obviously Avatar 2 will, you know, reclaim that throne. You reckon? 
Yeah, well, because it's so in the cultural zeitgeist. You know? Yeah. I mean, everybody knows Avatar. Everybody knows all the characters from Avatar. I saw five people wear an Avatar t-shirt on the way here today. Exactly. Exactly. Ten years on, and you can't escape it. The, the... the world's still got Avatar fever. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just waiting. We're all standing with our with our, with our our You know that fucking bit in Mad Max Fury Road where they're all standing with their buckets? <laughs> and James Cameron's up there on his mountain, and he's got Avatar 2, and we're all just waiting. We're all just waiting for that little those little drops, those little drops of Avatar 2. That's not due out until 2021. That's still got a year. Fucking... And do you know what? I'm pretty sure it's out in December. So that's like two years yeah. away. What do you think he could... We have so much to talk about. We're off on a tangent. <laughs> what do you think, like... Like, I feel like he could have done so much yeah. in these 10 years if he wasn't so focused on making, like, seven sequels to a film that, granted, is the highest grossing film, or what was the highest grossing film of all time. But I feel like it was purely because of the kind of... It was this 3D spectacle and things like yeah. that. And that was still relatively A technical new. achievement. Yeah. Which Titanic was as well. And he, it's like, I'm like, does, does James Avatar, like... Does James Avatar... <laughs> does James Cameron not... That's how committed he is to the sequel. Does he not get that people don't give a fuck about Avatar yeah. anymore? Like, is he like, oh, well, it made the most money ever. So people must be chomping at the bit. No one, no one talks about it. It's, it is very. The peculiar. only time people talk about it is to talk about how no one talks about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, think of all the. Yeah, you're right. Think of all the films he could have made. Yeah, um, he could have helped all, with all those Terminator movies. I remember, this is a guy since what 1999. He's made two films. Yeah. So in that's 20 years. No, that's like over 20 years now. He's made two films. I know. Uh, I know he intends to make six or seven now, just all in a really short space of time, but. I'll, uh, see, I'll see every one of them. Yeah, you will, but Let's I think... Real. I think it'll be interesting if, like, it turns out Avatar 2 comes out and it's, like, like no fanfare. Yeah. And then, like, it's like, oh, boy. Oh, oh, I, got, <laughs> I'll, oh I got six more of these in the tank. i <laughs> a lot of films, Claire. And he's not, like... Um, Fantas- you told me the world had Avatar fever. <laughs> it's not, like, Fantastic Beasts that's, like, we've got five films planned, and now they're, like... Oh, we'll do another one maybe they, they're already making these Avatar yeah. sequels it's been so interesting to see that kind of happen with Star Wars <laughs> where like when Disney bought over Star Wars and it was like we're doing the new trilogy and then we're going to have there's going to be a Solo movie there's going to be a Boba Fett movie there's going to be a Young Yoda movie and all these kind of things and you know a few movies later it's like yeah we're just going to sort of finish this one and then we're just going to leave it alone <laughs> for like a really long time and wait until everybody's kind of just calmed down a bit and we'll rebuild that Star Wars fever baby yeah. um, probably for the best now I think it's yeah I mean everything's fucking good in moderation isn't it yeah. get a fucking Star Wars shoved down my throat every six months not that I have to go see it but that fucking franchise is so just like it's on cheese strings and like <laughs> Washing cheese powder. strings is always your default for it's Star Wars. It's default because it's on fucking cheese strings. It's weird. I'd love to have been with you the day you first the day saw, I saw it. Yeah. So, you must have tore down that whole shop <laughs> tantrum. It's like fucking. You can't go anywhere without fucking you someone bringing up their political without... opinions and Star Wars being on cheese straw. You can't go a day without Star Wars being in your face in some capacity. <laughs> and you eat, you eat cheese straws every single day. I eat cheese strings by the fucking case, my friend. Daily. <laughs> it's a lot of Star Let me tell you, I got mental <laughs> dreams. <laughs> I haven't had a good night's sleep in years. Doctors tell me if I just stop eating the cheese strings, I'll be fine. And I'm like, no, oh, my watch. <laughs> no way. Don't tell me that I live my life. <laughs> 
fucking right we're half an hour in <laughs> blimey right let's go with it superhero film so right, superhero. Avengers so in the my, Marvel my thing with Avengers I watched it for a third time recently and I think that the, the big thing I still have with it is like I don't ever feel like I get as emotionally invested in it as it thinks I'm supposed to be yeah if that makes sense I get what you mean um like I still feel like the weight of things is still because you know I'm trying to think of a way a way kind of word this but like you still get to that ending and it's still just a lot of people running at a lot of people yeah and it's a big maddening CGI mess and I still stand by that I think the biggest issue that that film has is what they do with Thanos by kind of taking away the sort of like emotional relationship that all, all the characters now have to Thanos by kind of taking that away and replacing it with this other Thanos who has no ties to any of them and barely knows who they are or what's going on like almost kind of feels in a weird way like a disservice to yeah. like some of the kind of emotional impact that I think it would have had had they kept that Thanos alive I mean, granted, when you're watching the film for the first time and they <laughs> chop his fucking head off in the yeah. first 20 minutes, you're just like, where is this going? But, like, I always, I just think, like, in hindsight, I'm like, I kind of wish they had found a way to keep that version of Thanos. Still have yeah. maybe that shock factor, but keep that version of Thanos in it. And Could have had him redeem. You would have redeemed him? Boy, could have. to kill half the planet. Huh? Guy tried to, like, wipe out half the I mean, I universe. don't I don't mean that we all, they, he has to join the Avengers. I mean more that... Like, what if, like, if he was still alive uh, and he kind of sat on, like, his decisions and saw the universe the way it was afterwards and then, like, younger Thanos came back and he would, then he, this older Thanos was like, mm. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to go and stop this. Maybe I need to, like, reverse what I've done. Yeah. Like... Uh, yeah, more like a like a Darth Vader redemption, where it's mm. like, no, it's not. He's not. He's not going to be going around cooking cookies with Iron Man and stuff. But cookie, they'll cookie, be like that Thanos. He was a bit of an asshole, but you know, at least at the end, he, he saw he saw the error in his ways. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the big one this year, everyone's talking about. Yeah. It's Joker. I thought you were going to say Shazam. Yeah. I mean, no one shut up about Shazam it. Was Five T-shirts on the way here. I get Shazam. Great. Again, it falls into that category of I don't feel like I could have a conversation with you that would last more than 30 seconds. I like Shazam. I think it might even be my superhero film of the year. Ooh. I think it would because I've, um. I've really, really liked Shazam. I thought it was really sort of good-willed and um, there's that adopted family that's like a center, the center of the whole yeah. thing. And I, just think, and I think it's funny. I think the third act's maybe a bit too long, but I can forgive it that because everything's so charming on the way up. Um, especially as a complete film. Obviously, Endgame isn't quite a complete film because it's like part of another mm. part. Uh, and I liked, I really liked Spider-Man this year. thought it was, it really, was also, really good. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was especially because I'm not a fan of Homecoming as such. So far away from yeah. home, really, really stepped it up. Um, I can't even think of fucking no I didn't see X-Men don't give a fuck about X-Men I, so I went to see X-Men it is hilarious how like low stakes they've almost sent that franchise out on um, yeah such a big franchise it was the original multi yeah. like yeah. it's kind of it was doing what Marvel was doing about 10 years before yeah. Marvel was doing it and this one feels like such a kind of jumbled together just completely underwhelming like it feels like 
they don't really know what to do with the characters it feels like the actors don't really understand their characters anymore or what their motivations are supposed to be or what scenario they're even meant to be in um they're still just doing the same kind of status quo thing after all these years of like yep magneto is flawed and he's off doing his own thing and then they've got to bring him back in to fight another villain and this villain is jessica chastain from space um it's it's just such a, a sort of nothingy yeah. film that just ends that series that has had like ups and downs like big time but it just i think it's so bizarre to me that they they, they almost like like they had a perfect ending with logan why did you tack on this film that clearly no one had any investment in like you can tell that all the actors are there contractually yeah you know what i mean <clears throat> it just feels very bizarre to me i'm like you had an out your out was logan like you could just let let it die well here, no but... i think i believe this one was being made before the fox merger disney i think this one started before the fox but even merger. so like just this franchise like i think yeah. they could have just tried to even reboot it or whatever the fuck they wanted to do but i just feel like that was their perfect out and they chose to keep pushing it and it was obvious that there was no market for it yeah like i don't think anyone fucking saw it so no i didn't i went to see it i think the tuesday after it came out and the the screening was dead yeah so uh, it's so strange though isn't it because um I'm not a person who misses superhero films. I tend to go see them. Mm. I like I like to be involved in that subculture, um, and I just didn't bother. Just yeah, not with this one, That's especially reasonable. after X Men Apocalypse was so boring. Fucking yeah, I can't remember a thing about that movie. No, I remember he loses hair. He James does lose his hair. hair. That was the hilarious part. Yeah, where it was like you really just can't have. Everyone has to have an explanation. Yeah, um, it's like the solo effect, like. Everything, everything about Han Solo has to be explained in this one movie. He can't just have a gun. He can't just have a name. Like he has to have gotten that name from somewhere. <laughs> he can't just have a jacket. Where did he get that jacket from? <laughs> you see him at like George, <laughs> like Asda. It's like, oh, that's quite, oh, forty percent off. Hey, Boxing Day sales. <laughs> it's a good job I came in at this time. I was <laughs> going to come to George tomorrow, <laughs> but then the sale would have been on tomorrow. Um, yeah, Joker's kind of the big one. Joke's a big one. Which we're we're not kind of we're not fans of. Uh we did kind of do a bit on it in one episode and I kinda of cut it out because I thought I was quite mean. And so I'll have like a nice reasonable conversation about Joker very briefly. We'll cover it. It's okay to like Joker. I think you no. Know, it's okay to like Joker. No, I'm talking generally. Yeah. I'm not accusing you of saying otherwise. We, I'm saying it's okay to like it. We kind of we were talking about it right before we started recording because obviously it's kind of it's like the kind of juggernaut film this year in terms of awards. It yeah. seems like. And I I kind of said to you and I I hate because I don't ever want to sound snobbish when it comes like when it comes to films ever like what you like enjoy it all again I like Gemini Man the fuck do I know but I think my thing with Joker was like the reason that that has kind of become the big film this year is because I think a lot of your mainstream audiences now don't really go in for a film of that kind of type. That kind of Martin Scorsese-esque. Martin Scorsese maybe is like the one person who, you know, people give a pass to. But like that that kind of style of film, like a lot of more mainstream audiences maybe don't go in for it. Hmm. And so they're going to kind of see this thing which goes so against what a lot of mainstream movies are now. And so they kind of, everybody freaks out about it. Like, this is the fucking best thing. 
But it's like if you're even just plugged into film even a little bit, like I think you kind of see through the fact that it's it's very it's like a very surface level film and it's yeah, very it's, it's so quite shallow. ridiculous. It's quite ridiculous, yeah. And so I was saying like I find it weird that like I get it. I get people who don't watch a lot of movies thinking this film is a masterpiece. But I'm like, the Academy? <laughs> like is it their fucking jobs to like watch movies and sift through the bullshit like yeah um but i get maybe that is just that kind of not pandering but obviously the you know the oscars especially has been trying very hard recent in recent years to be popular yeah they were gonna have the popular film category oh my lord was it gonna be black panther was that gonna be i think that's what they they invented it for black panther yeah which, like, just fucking give Black Panther an award if you want to give it an award. What but... an elitist thing to say. I know, yeah. Oh, I'll have the pleb category. <laughs> that's, like, that's why, that's, like, never what I want to come across as, like, when yeah. I talk about Joker. But I, I really don't like that film. I find it, I find it incredibly, incredibly surface level in terms of, like, we're going to talk about this character who has mental illness. What mental illness does he have? He's got all the mental illness. Hmm. He's got it all. Like, don't even worry about it. Don't worry about specifics. It's like, okay, we're going to make this statement about people with mental illness. And we're going to talk about the way that they're treated. The way they're treated is everyone beats them up all the time. <laughs> people on the subway, children, people he works with. Everyone's just kicking the fuck out of him. And then, oh, you know what? His psychi- his his psychiatrist that he goes to, they're going to get their funding cut. And they can't go see him anymore. Even though in the scene before that, where you saw him at the psychiatrist before her budget got cut, she couldn't give a fuck about him. She can't wait for him to get out of that room. She's not helping him. So it's like, what are you then trying to say then? Like, you're trying to say that it's bad that their funding's got cut, but then it also seems like you're saying that the psychi- like the you know, psychiatric help is, like, shit to begin with. Yeah. So, like, what point are you trying to make here? And it's like... Like I said, it's like everything bad... And, and then it's like everything bad that can happen to that character happens to him. He gets beat up all the fucking time. His mum is, like, schizophrenic. And thinks that and then he finds out that he might he might be the son of you know a billionaire and then he goes to the billionaire and the billionaire fucking punches him like a cartoon character like it's i just found it all for for trying to be this sort of like grounded in reality uh film that it wants to be this kind of gritty crime drama it's still just and i think maybe some of this stems from the fact that like todd phillips more directs comedy it still comes across as just ridiculous and heavy-handed and it's got to beat you over the the fucking face with it with its messages which it seems to get confused Hmm. and i think that this this the scene that bothered me the most was at the end when he confronts robert de niro and he says what do you get when you cross a mentally ill person with a society who treats him like trash You, you get what you fucking pay for and in that moment i was like not even just joker like a normal person i don't think when they were in that moment where you're about to shoot someone would say what do you get when you cross a mentally ill person you would just say crazy yeah and that was the moment where i was like yeah this doesn't this no longer feels like a character this whole film just feels like they want to try and convey this message and they're just going to do it in whatever heavy-handed way that they can and that just really like turned me against it, and I just am not a fan. I also just find it just a dirty film, and it's just not pleasant. Which I know it's not meant to be, but there's just nothing like 
it's just humorless. nothing positive to take away from that movie. It's weird. Yeah. It's weirdly humorless, humorless for a guy who's like well known for directing comedies. Is that like there's no redeeming feature about anyone, so you sort of lose investment when that yeah. happens. Like you're like, well, what? Why? Like this is almost fantasy levels of yeah. like um, lack of humanity. But it's that thing where uh, an amateur director will make the mistake where they're like, they think that you just got to make everything the worst of the worst of the mm. worst of the worst of the worst. Like, no, if you want to make any sort of impact, you have to make a good thing, build it up, and then knock it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, everything, even even the good thing of his relationship with this girl, oh no, but it's so bad it was imaginary. And you're like, yeah. no, you, you're not building you're not building this character up in any way. I'm not caring about this character. He's just, he's as you said, undefined, mentally ill. He's um uninteresting character. He's very it, the um it's surface level, um. But like you, yeah, you've given no no nothing to invest in, nothing to give you any sense of hope, um, to knock you down off. So even on its own message, it's not like good at what it's trying to do. I also just think it's hilarious that they, they they devoted so much energy in the kind of marketing to be like this is not a Batman movie and it's not tied to that in any way, and then they spend most of the second half of the movie tying it into Batman, uh, yep. to where they get this the most convoluted, not even convoluted, but like the whole the alleyway sequence where we again have to watch the Waynes get shot, yeah, and it's so disconnected from everything else that's happening in the film. And even just from a, and I don't want to come across like this is some kind of like cinema sins critique kind of thing, like nitpicky. But it's even the fact that I'm like, at this point in the film, Bruce Wayne is, or sorry, Thomas Wayne is the most hated man in the city. And these riots have kind of started almost because of him. And he's at the cinema, unprotected, with his family, in the middle of a riot. And they come out of the cinema and they're going to run down a dark alleyway even though there's lots of murderers running about. And it's like, the logic doesn't make sense, but Todd Phillips is like, well, we just got to have that connection. Hmm. We got to have it connect to Batman. We got to have that fan service. Yeah. I just, I really, I I feel like, I feel like I, if I watched that film again, like it would, it would kind of, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that I've forgotten again. Yeah. And I feel like if I was to rewatch that film, it would kind of reinvigorate, like how just kind of, like, just disgusted at that film i kind of felt when i came out of it mm. and i think that more stems from just how much people are like grasping onto it i'm like this is not a nice film to latch onto in my opinion it's also weird that like joke how relatable joker is meant to be yeah it's very strange of like taking a character like the joker an insane villain who like that has genuine like mental issues and is manic it's supposed to be a bad bad guy uh-huh. and try to make him entirely relatable with no sense of like self-awareness mm-hmm. of irony he's like no you're supposed to entirely be on the joker's side you're supposed to you're supposed to root for him as a character mm-hmm. um no no sense of irony to that yeah that he's supposed to be the villain i think that thing that thing you were talking about where everything is extreme i do think that maybe stems from todd phillips being like a comedy director and he did those hangover films and everything is like extreme in those films but you can kind of get away with it more in comedy i think i think when you try to do it in something more serious it comes across as just ridiculous because Mm. like you said like we said it's like everything bad that can happen to that character happens um it's like those three guys on the bus do just come across like 
bullies from a comedy not like a legitimately serious yeah. film um i don't know i'm not a fan we don't have to keep going on about no. it i wish fucking everyone else would also stop going on about it i'm sick of hearing about that fucking movie <laughs> um do we have anything we don't really need to talk about other superhero movies i saw hellboy it's bad bad um there's not much else to say i just don't i, I just don't understand i mean I, apparently i read somewhere that like guillermo del toro i don't think actually wanted to do a third one at this point i think he was kind of over the idea yeah but there, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, why did we fund this? Why couldn't you have funded him to just make the end to his trilogy? Yeah. And the same amount of people would have saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because no one fucking went to see What was your superhero film of the year then? I don't know, probably Endgame, I guess. Endgame, yeah. Yeah, fair sure. enough. We took, a, we took a pause break and we cracked open some beers. Yeah. It's fucking podcast. Now 2019 rolling. Real world! <laughs> um, Okay, so that was superheroes. So we're going to move on to the next category. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. Star Wars. Right. What a crock of shite that Fucking was. Fucking shite! <laughs> I've been talking to you all day and the first thing I really wanted to say was, what the fuck was that Mental utter illegal. diarrhea of a film? Something that I... That I think one of the biggest disappointments is like, oh, clearly what Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi is not what jj abrams intended right my hope had been that as a writer Filmmaker. as a writer as a director who has come from the world of tv where the whole fucking aim of the game is taking a story that people are in the process of telling taking characters that people are in the process of developing them at uh, developing and continue that instead he goes nah, i'm just gonna sort of i'm just gonna sort of just sort of just sort of re rejig everything so it falls back into the little fucking ideas that I had. You know what I mean? I fucking hated it so much. I think it's most right. The whole Last Jedi thing, where people don't like the Last Jedi, I, I don't get it. I I get that there's there's elements of that film that are not perfect, but on the whole, I don't understand why people truly hate that film because I think it is since the original trilogy i think it's the most interesting star wars yeah. that star wars has been um it's yeah it's the most definitely the most interesting star wars film out of the the disney star yeah. wars i think it comes down to i'm gonna start moaning about fucking audiences again but i think with star wars something that i feel like i've noticed is that the blander stuff seems to be the stuff that people are drawn to with yeah. star wars we watched granted we only watched the pilot but me and you watched The Mandalorian one night, yeah. and both of us were just so incredibly, like, unenthused with it. At one point, we had to rewind a scene <laughs> because we ended up just talking through it. It was the Werner Herzog scene. And then we had to, like, rewind it back because neither of us paid attention and didn't sort of process what, what uh, was happening. I'll say for The Mandalorian pilot, it is setting up a story. Granted, So yeah. maybe, maybe that's not <clears throat> um, how that's maybe it's not his fault i mean yeah. it perhaps should have had a more engaging first episode but yeah but okay so that's like you've got like rogue one rogue one seems to be the one that people consider to be the best film of the most recent absolute boring rogue boring. one is in my opinion like painfully boring yeah i think it's a nice film to look at i think the battle scenes are are stunning but the the core problem with that film is that there is no character oh, you can't name a single character you can't name a single character there's there's nothing to any of them it's just uh series of people going through motions to get to the point where Darth Vader can show up and yeah. fight. I don't like it. And Solo, I remember like when Solo came out and I'm like, wow, oh, this is the fucking like blandest piece of shit I've ever seen. 
and it's like people are like, oh well, you know, fucking, it's better than the Last Jedi because at least it did this, this, and that, and blah blah blah. And it's like it showed us where it got its blaster. And I'm like, God, people, in terms of Star Wars, they just like the most, bl- the most boring shit. And then comes this fucking film that tries to challenge people yeah. a little bit. And granted, like it doesn't pull everything off a hundred percent, but it is the very least. It has a core idea, and it has character arcs for each individual character very carefully planned out and it takes you through all those pretty seamlessly in my and like i said some of them are not great i think the whole holdo plot where she just doesn't tell him where she doesn't tell poe his plan just because is very strange hmm. and i still can't quite get to grips with the leia force flying through space i'd still i've seen it like i've seen that movie like five times now and every time i'm like still doesn't work i just it does not work for me but i think everything else in that film is 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 just striving to do something so different and like he has such an understanding coming off the force awakens he seems to have such an understanding of like what he thinks should make those characters tick to the point where when ray is told your parents your parents mean nothing and they you come from nothing that is the most devastating thing that she can hear and it's such a powerful moment when you see it in the cinema and i think it's the same one like when when Snoke tells Kylo Ren to you know take his ridiculous mask off hmm. and he kind of has that moment where he's in the lift and he looks at it and you can tell that he is because obviously people keep making that Darth Vader comparison and he kind of has that moment of like he doesn't need to be Darth Vader like he can be a fucking badass like regardless and he smashes the mask against the elevator and it's like it's like such like well told character stuff and then you get, you get to this fucking movie and even Luke, like I think Luke is handled. All the people who complain where like Luke is supposed to be this powerful, all powerful Jedi, like that sounds so boring. Yeah. Like, but then I'm also like, he is. Like, it makes perfect sense that he would get to this point where he's like secluded on an island and wants nothing to do with the Force because it's went wrong for him so many times. And then at the end, he does. He fucking he uses his badass control of the force to an extent where he physically doesn't even need to go to the battle to win the battle you know what i mean yeah like he could just force project himself like he's that fucking good and people are like no he's not bad at like i don't get why is he fucking drinking green milk and people get so hung up on that shit <laughs> and then this one feels like rather than just take a story that was trying to be interesting and try and continue that they seem more intent on let's appease this very vocal minority by just having everything that they want and think is going to happen happen and it is so it's so just like deflating to watch Mm. that that you just think like i'm like i'm like it's going to become another one of those series where i'm like why even bother going back and watching the other ones when you know it builds to this you know what i mean i really didn't think i don't think deep down i thought jj abrams would reverse the origin of ray thing i really deep down and it really i feel gutted yeah that he did that and they tried to do a wee justification like oh no we weren't lying your parents were no one but i tell you who wasn't no one your bloody granddad granddad." (laughs) and i I just felt my inside just collapse and go why i mean i'm i I wouldn't specifically blame jj abrams i i I could imagine there's maybe studio pressure and stuff like that to try and make a more fan-pleasing film Mm -hmm. so perhaps there's an all eight on abrams um perhaps that was him trying to compromise 
Um, with maybe the studio was like, just make her, just make her dad Obi Wan Kenobi, and just forget Last Jedi. And he's like, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna compromise here. Yeah. But I just couldn't believe it. I just, yeah, I couldn't believe they it's, it's handed so horrible because like, that in itself goes against everything that it feels like those first two movies in that in that trilogy are trying to say which is that you don't need to come from a bloodline to be important hmm. like you can just be a person and you can you know become this this great thing you know the force is strong in all of us i think that's what's so powerful about the very last image of the last jedi when the little yeah. when the little boy like force That's grabs fu- the broom yeah. and it's it's that you know the the force can be in anyone and anyone can be the hero anyone can be a Jedi and then no, only one this person one can is be like, a Jedi no 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 you can't because you have to be related to someone who who was also yeah. like I remember when the 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 I think it's so funny because like I remember when the prequels one of the main reasons people hate the prequels is because the middle midi chlorian stuff because it takes away from the magic of the force and it's like isn't this also taking away from that. <laughs> But be like, no, no, no! Like, yeah, ha- it has to be someone. Yeah, she has to be related to someone. And I'm like, this is. It's weird because the force should be this universal Buddha-like magic that's yeah. everywhere and that you can utilize it. But instead, it's got this Aryan race feel. Yeah, vibe. Luke Skywalker says in the Last Jedi, the force doesn't belong to the Jedi, and to th- I think it's like the force doesn't belong to Jedi, and to think that it does is vanity. Yeah, like the force can be in everyone. It's just such a fucking. Yeah, it's just it's it's just disappointing because up until this point, I was really into this series. Yeah, like, yeah, I it really, really good... was. I I feel like Star Wars tried so fucking hard to just bombard me with information and 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 stuff to the point where I would get sick of it, and I did. But those two films still stuck out to me as things I really enjoyed. Hmm. And then this one, I'm just like, I can't imagine ever going to revisit. This film. No, like I can't imagine it. I I saw uh, Patrick Willems from uh, like a YouTuber. His he went back and rewatched the Last Jedi, and his review on Letterboxd was a. Uh, I think it was something like, "Oh, it was really bold of them to end the whole Star Wars franchise in such an open-ended <laughs> moment." Because um, it's like, yeah, I'm like, I I feel like I'm I I, I can't imagine a world where I'd ever because the the Last Jedi feels like it gives me closure on like a lot yeah. of stuff that I enjoyed about that those two movies. It's like, why would I bother going to watch this one that's catered towards people who think completely different from me and want a very different thing from these movies? It's like trying to pander to them and then you've ended up, like, pleasing no one. Yeah. Because yeah. it's such a terrible film. Which is why you should just do... Just do your fucking Yeah. Thing. I mean, it's like... one more film. If they wanted to make the next trilogy the fan pandering yeah. trilogy, I mean, it's going to be inevitable anyway. But why not just end this last film on a bang yeah. and go, yes. There you go. That was the trilogy that we all wanted to make, and it was brilliant. Yeah. But instead, they—it's not because it's not just the connections to the other films. The fuck this film, it, like I know that they lost a director early on in the process. You can feel it because this mm. film it feels like it was written so fast. The whole oh yeah, the, the whole film, the, the film never stops. Yeah, the well, the whole fucking chancellor thing is like the chancellor's back is in the opening crew i was yeah. not expecting the dead that speak. <laughs> it's like chancellor's back and then he's in the first scene yeah i was like holy crap this film is in a rush to get never places offer an explanation as to why and i'm not saying you need an explanation to everything but that feels pretty important yeah you feel like you know what i mean why, like, why? i remember like that was one of my defense of the last jedi was a lot of people complained about well, where does snoke come from and i'm like 
doesn't really matter where Snoke come, came from. He serves the purpose he needs to serve. If you think back to Return of the Jedi, where does the Emperor come from? Hmm. Like, you don't know anything about the Emperor. The only reason you now know things about him is because 20 years later, they made three shitty movies about him. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's, it's like, it doesn't matter. But with this, it's like, no. Like, how he is alive is important. Like, I need to know how he's still alive. You know what I mean? Like, that. this is what it is. But they, they brush it off by going... The dark side is a pathway to many abilities some consider it to be unnatural. Okay, what though? Like, what have you done specifically? What's happening? Mm. Where are we? And I, I think it's funny how, like, they, 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 they go so basic with this one. Where they literally just have, like, oh, we have to get the dagger of the Sith. Oh, and I saw a, a vision of us sitting on the throne of the Sith. And it's like, I don't feel like there's ever been a part in any of these movies where they've referred to stuff <laughs> as, like, of the Sith. You yeah. know what I mean? And stuff like that. It just feels so... Ugh. and then it's just another death star as much as they try to make it seem like it's not another death star it is because it's just a bunch of ships with the death star gun on it i can't believe that that's such a such a almost childish way of yeah. upping the stakes yeah it's like oh it's not just uh a one death star now it's ten thousand. Yeah. it's the death star times ten thousand, and these ships could do i'm like what why why did like what, 30 years ago they had to they had to build one big ship mm. to destroy planets and this one's got a little it's got it's got an uh, install you know you just yeah. add it on just a little add-on just... and oh my god oh my god chewbacca right what? yeah what? where he's getting what? on the one ship and they're like it's not that ship it was another ship and it's like where was the other ship oh my you god you showed us that fucking desert there was nothing why why didn't they kill off chewbacca because that was a really powerful moment. Yeah. You know, the story they wanted to tell of, like, Rey um, uh, fighting the dark side inside her. Accidentally killing Chewbacca was, like, fucking mentally mm. daring. I was like, that, I'm I'm on, I was like, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chewbacca, like, you, like he, he's fucking had, he's had those films. He's had, he's been in all the films since uh, the original so far. So it's like. I would have been okay with Chewbacca dying right now, and I, that would have been a fucking ballsy way to do it. Yeah. And then it kind of, uh, I quite, I quite was thinking about this, and was like, that's quite a cool way of like balancing Kylo and Rey, because Kylo killed Han Solo and Rey killed Chewbacca. Mm. That's a really interesting thing. Next scene. Yeah. Next scene. And a stupid They're... explanation. An explanation that proves M- that they were no writing sense. the script while they were yeah. filming it, because they didn't bother to add a second yeah. shift in. There's there's a, there's a thing that this film does, and I think it maybe has something to do with the fact that it moves so quickly. But everything that happens in the film, they almost immediately undo it, in a way. Like, that's one of the big ones. Chewbacca dies, and then immediately, no, don't worry about it. Like, he's back. It's all good. The other big one I thought was uh, Hux. Hux has revealed who has been... And I don't fucking care what anyone says. Hux has been, like, my favourite part of the this franchise... I think he's so over the top and yeah. I, I'm so fucking there for it all the time. He's revealed to be a spy for the Rebels. Immediately shot. Yeah. It's like, why did right. he join? And then they just replace his character with Richard E. Grant who's just playing a, a sort of more evil version of Hux. I'd have like, loved to see Hux join the Rebellion. Yeah. Well, I'd just love to have seen that character mental. get, like, yeah, just get Also, it was obvious or, as fuck. As yeah. soon as as soon as the guy at the, in the first scene goes, there's a spy in the first order. It's like, oh, it's Hux. Oh, I didn't think that. I was I I thought it was funny well, like, when in, he was my, But then, in, like I said, they kill him off immediately, and you're like, right, great. So that meant nothing. Well, in my head, he was the only memorable character 
in the first order. Yeah. As it was it going to be Kylo Ren? Yeah. It's like Kylo Ren, she stabs Kylo Ren. Oh no, don't worry about it. We've brought him back to life. It's okay. Oh, but C3PO. That scene. Yeah. Where yeah. he gets his memory wiped. That's a really emotional scene where he turns around and is like, I just want to take one last oh. look at my friends. And you're like, oh, that's such a really touching way of not killing him. Because obviously he's a franchise yeah. character. You want, to, you want to sell his toys. But to really have some emotional weight, uh, they, they make jokes of it. Yeah. The jokes aren't funny. Like, oh, this is my first laser battle. That's not a joke. Yeah. It's like, it's not even remotely funny and then as soon as he sees R2-D2 it's like it's not an emotional reunion of like R2-D2 feeling like he's lost a friend and mm-hmm. they've got to try and explain that and Droid talk no there your memory back oh that's fixed what yeah. a fucking pile of that's shit that's what I mean this film's oh, a pile of shit I would genuinely say it's one of the worst films of this year oh we got but because that. of I do think it all comes from like context of what came before it I guess like the whole kind of the Last Jedi and the response to The Last Jedi and all that kind of stuff. Because it's and so pandering. Like you said, it's like, it was never, it's 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 not going to please fans of The Last Jedi, of which there are many, <laughs> um, despite what the internet sort of conveys. Like, um, like it's either, yeah, like the fans of The Last Jedi aren't going to be happy because it doesn't continue that story. And then, sh- surely people who are just fans of Star Wars aren't going to be happy because this is a fucking pile of garbage. Hmm. It's a pile of fan servicey bullshit. And people just clap because it's the Millennium Falcon. They finally showed the Knights of Ren. Been waiting like six years to see the Knights of Ren. They were what were they? A man with an axe, and a man with a, a sort of mace thing. No, Knights of Ren. I didn't. I feel like you have to be part of Star Wars subculture to even realize what they were. What they were? Yeah, that's definitely because in the, they're they're not really referenced. They're not referenced no. in the films aside from you see them. I bet if you were just a couple of, but it's never like that is the Knights of Ren. Yeah. I Look, bet if you, you know, were to talk to a casual fan, they were like, sorry, the Knights of Ren? Who? Yeah. Oh, you just mean those bodyguards that were in the yeah. last film? Ugh. Anyway, what other sci-fi movies came out this year? Dribble. Gemini Man. Dribble! <laughs> Gemini I'm Man. so un We have a whole episode called In Defense of Gemini Man where I <laughs> try my best to defend it. I really want to do an episode on it. I think it should be one of our early like 29, yeah. uh, 2020 episodes because... It's not my. As, as, I'm not going to get into it again. We did a whole thing on it, but my whole thing with Gemini Man is that I I just don't I don't understand why people have decided that this is going to be the movie this year, the Whipping Boy, that everybody just hated it before it even hit the cinema because it's not that bad. Yeah, in my opinion. But that's all because we've already talked about it. That could be a Valentine's Day episode. That'd be fun because um, I love Will Smith. I saw Elite Battle Angel. Which again, I enjoyed, but it's uh, one of those. Yeah, hell. it's one of those films where again, the only thing I properly remember about it, which again we've talked about on the podcast, is the reveal at the end that the villain is Edward, Edward Norton, this <laughs> Hollywood actor Edward Norton, which is fucking hilarious. Uh, I saw Ad Astra. Did you? No, I ended up. I did really want to see Ad Astra, but I didn't end up getting the chance. It's good. It's 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 um, definitely one of the kind of like. <sighs> I guess more introspective Ooh, kind of sci-fi word. films this year. Got a bit year. of a five dollar word going on there. Kind of about like it's almost. I guess I don't know. I guess what I took away from it is almost that Carl Sagan thing again. You know that whole pale blue dot thing where it's like you know there where there's tiny blue dots suspended in a sun sphere, but we're the only thing that warrants space attention it's you know really I mean? really it's big really big you wouldn't believe how mind-boggling <laughs> you think it's a long way to the chemist <laughs> um i i did enjoy that and it's got kind of apocalypse now vibes not as you know not 
anywhere near as kind of as kind of good. But again, it's one of those films I don't I don't I don't really remember much about it. I also saw High Life this year, which is a sci-fi movie. Robert Pattinson. Um, okay, I didn't see that one either. A lot about it's a lot. Of, you know, it's a it's a it's a European film, so a lot of fucking. <laughs> but they're in space. <laughs> Typical European film. Typical European film. Um, yeah. I feel like Star Wars was kind of the big one. Glass. Would you count Glass as a sci-fi movie? What would you class it as? I suppose I it's guess a, it is a science. I film. guess yeah. it's actually a superhero, superhero film. Movie. So we've missed that one. But I, Glass is one of those films where we, I went in and I wanted to love it so much and i just felt myself as the two hours went by get progressively sadder as i realized i wasn't gonna love it <laughs> i liked glass i don't but I, do you know what i i think it's because before glass i was like i need to rewatch unbreakable because mm. i've not seen it in so long i rewatched unbreakable and i was like this film's really weird like i didn't remember mm. how strangely toned and how bizarre and how kind of unnatural that film is. I also and think that set me up for glass. Yeah, I also think Unbreakable sticks out now because it was made in a time where comic books weren't as mainstream as they yeah. are now. Where so now you you listen to them explain a comic book basically <laughs> in that movie. You're like this is ridiculous. But I Everyone guess if you're if you're just like a fucking some dude who's like never read a comic book in his life who's just going to see the new Bruce Willis film, like you know, <laughs> um, like you know, back in the day. Strange experience. Who's <laughs> like, like, I really liked Death Wish. I want to go see this. Yeah. This Glass, I think it's called. Um, I there's a lot of elements of Glass I really like. I almost feel like it's all individually. I think we should do an episode on that. Someday. I, you know what? I've actually it's one of the few films from last year. That I'm very keen to rewatch. Yeah, that, I think we should I do also, an episode. I am also point. keen to rewatch the Hellboy remake, which I saw was on Netflix. Yeah. Now, and I am quite interested in rewatching that. I feel like I'm more drawn to rewatching like the bad movies this year, almost. Yeah. Uh, not the bad movies, just like I feel like I'm more open to just giving stuff I didn't super enjoy like another chance. Yeah. Almost. I get yeah. that. Um. Not so much stuff that I aggressively disliked, like Star Wars or like Fuck The Lion I, King or something. I don't like think that. I'll ever watch Star Wars ever again. Like, I don't think I'll ever watch that, that one. Sorry, again. I mean I do specifically mean. <clears> that I'll watch one. The Last Jedi till the fucking cows come home. I love that movie, but like, I don't um, think I'll ever watch Rise of a Skywalker ever again. Rise of the what a terrible title as well. Yeah. Just on a surface level, what a shit title. What remember that build up with Kevin Smith being like, I saw I was told not to see the last set because apparently it'll blow your mind. So I assume what he saw was the fucking farm at the end, the tattoo. He, he didn't see it. He didn't he, see he, it. he didn't want to spoil it. But what it must have been was Tatooine Farm. Which I was like, Alright. Cool. She's got a gold lightsaber though, doesn't she? Oh. That's That's cool. Cool. I sure do love movies. Um, I think we speaking should speaking. We mentioned Lion King. Did we? I mentioned Lion King. <laughs> I brought it up very passively. Um, there's been a couple of Disney live action remakes this year, right? Aladdin, Lion King. Is that the two? Dumbo, Dumbo. I hated two, and I haven't seen one. I haven't seen Dumbo either. <laughs> I haven't seen. Dumbo. No one's seen Dumbo. No one fucking saw Dumbo. Who actually? Who, Tim Burton really is someone who hasn't like got that same sort of street cred. Yeah, anymore. no, not at all. You know my favorite thing to come out of Dumbo, cool. and it's not even like a hilarious thing. It's just, it's just, a, it's just this kind of surreal thing. Is obviously Danny DeVito's in the movie. Yeah. So Danny DeVito was going around giving interviews for Dumbo, and he sat there 
in the little room and they've cool. got the Dumbo poster behind him. I can understand. And one of the interviews is asking him about Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And um, he's Danny DeVito is talking about Frank and talking about how Frank loves to bang whores. <laughs> and he's talking about it on the press tour for Dumbo, a children's movie. And there's a poster for Dumbo in the background. And I was like, man, I just fucking love Danny DeVito so goddamn much. I love him. I've looked out Batman Returns. Okay. On Blu-ray because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. There's a Tim Burton film. There's a fucking Tim Burton movie. What I love about that movie, and I love it, I love it so much more than the Jack Nicholson one because I like the, yeah, yeah, the Tim Burton's first one. Absolutely. I like it so much more than that because it feels like uh, the first one, you know, it is still kooky, but it does feel like a Batman movie of the 80s. Whereas Batman Returns feels like they went, hey, here's money, make a Tim Burton film and have Batman in it. And he just goes fucking weird with it. He's got like a Frankenstein cat woman. He's got penguins, literal penguins in the underground sewers. He's got like the penguin making weird speeches about how he's going to kill not just everyone's firstborn, but everyone's secondborns and thirdborns. It's just fucking bonkers. And I love it. I think if it weren't for like the Dark Knight, which is just kind of the one you put at the top yeah. of the list, Dark Batman Returns would be like my number one Batman movie. I just fucking love it. It's so fucking weird. Um, How good did that Robert Pattinson one look? Ooh. I'm excited for the Robert Pattinson Ooh. one. Very excited. Um, I, uh, um, Tim Burton really needs to like go back to passion projects. Just a side note, he like he is a good director. Mm. He's done some fucking really really good mm. films. Mm. What the fuck is he doing? Just rolling around in studio money just get go make some it is, it is depressing do you not yeah. have enough money by now maybe he has just but maybe maybe he just doesn't have anything more to say like i, I find that shocking considering yeah. the degree because i think of a lot of, a lot of you know his kind of films are about being the outsider and being the outcast because obviously that's kind of how he grew up but i'm like well there's only so many times you can you can tell that story i guess you know what i mean I'd rather he did like a thematic film mm. he's already done a thousand times what than was th- him making these terrible, terrible like Disney films. What was the last Tim Burton film you really enjoyed? I didn't see Big Eyes. Apparently Big Eyes was good. I, see, I didn't like Big Eyes because I thought, I didn't think Big Eyes felt Tim Burton in any way. I felt like I watched but it then and thought I, anyone could but what, it. My favourite film of his is Ed Wood and that's the least Tim mm. Burton film. But it's still kind of... It's still such a fucking... I've never seen Edward. I love that film so much. It's, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I love that film so much. Um, My favourite film of his recently, and it's not even recent now, it's like 12 years old, is Sweeney Todd. Oh, I guess that would be the last That's sort of, so fucking Tim Burton yeah. and like its design and aesthetic. I guess that would be like his last passion project, apart mm. from Big Eyes. You should get on it. Anyway. What was, yeah, get what, your what, shit what, together, Tim. Take uh, it from us. Two people who do nothing. <laughs> um, so Disney remakes. Disney remakes. There was three. So we didn't see Dumbo, so we don't need to talk about Dumbo. Uh, Lion King. That I hated that film so much. I also hated it, but I found myself not sort of angered by it because I was like, I, "Well, I never have to watch that again." I was angry because I watched it, and I've seen some fucking bad films in the cinema. Oh yeah, but it's been a while since I was so angry because it was wasting my time. Because it was just the original film. Even, it's the original film to the extent where, like, beats are the same. Dialogue Di- is no, the same. But, dialogue, but I'm talking about, like, the, it's the moment where Simba runs away from 
Scar. Scar's like, run away, I'll never come back. And he runs away. And then all the hyenas come out of the fog. That is like, mo- like beat for beat, like the way it's synced up to the music and everything is like identical to the cartoon. And I'm just like, why am I here? Yeah. Why am I fucking watching this? I could just be at home watching a fucking immensely superior version of this film. Yeah. Uh, I that broke me. I'm. I don't think. I mean, they've done pretty much the majority of them anyway. But I don't think I'll watch another Disney remake. Yeah. I think I'm out. I don't give a fuck yeah, about Mulan. I think I'm done as well. I I don't care about Mulan because I've I've <laughs> little little fun fact about me. I've never seen Mulan. So original Mulan's good. You should check Mulan. that out. My my sister has it on DVD, and every time I'm back in Aberdeen, I'm like, I'm gonna watch Mulan. And I just forget. You should put the DVD I watched Emperor's in. New Groove instead. That was good. Oh, that is good. You should put um, the DVD in and then go, let's get down to, to business. business. To defeat the Huns, which has a much weirder meaning in Glasgow. <laughs> um, but I just I just couldn't believe... There was nothing interesting about that film. The, like the, the CGI, I technically, it's an interesting film. It, it works get over that. Good, yeah. Good I mean, tech, that yeah. could have been... Uh, the circle of life done in live action you've done you've done the most interesting part of that you could have done that as a five minute clip done yeah the whole film it's like it's not as fun because it has to be constrained by real life things the songs don't pop as much because they're not as colourful I just can't wait to be king it's such a colourful sequence everything has to be toned down because it's it's realistic. Yeah, and... I'm just like, why would I want to watch this? Yeah, I just... The emotion... Because they can't convey emotion as well. Oh, uh, it led to one of the funniest scenes in a movie this year, which is when he sees Mufasa die and he screams no. Yeah. And it's his face and it's just this sort of stunted, like, nah! and it, like, zooms out really quickly. Hilarious. No one is utilised properly. I don't think Beyonce is utilised properly. I don't think Donald Glover is utilised properly. The only one... Who was really good was Billy Eisner as uh, Timon. Mm, he yeah. adds a little flair to it. That's it. Yeah. Everyone else is just an inferior version of the original. Yeah. And the fact that the shots the same and oh, it's it's shocking how bad it is. But you you enjoyed Aladdin. I <clears throat> yes, I enjoyed watching Aladdin. Mm. Yeah. But Aladdin, but my problem is, even if you don't like Aladdin, and I understand why you wouldn't like Aladdin, it's not a shot-for-shot remake. It's just not. Mm. Which, it means that you are... But I think the stuff it adds to it is is pointless, more or less. Well, I mean, I quite like the the way they try try and make a sort of hitch film. I I enjoyed it. It's not, again, it's not a film I'd ever rewatch. It's not a film, like... I liked enough that I would ever put it on any list or it like I'm not gonna sit down and fight Aladdin as like oh it's an underrated classic it's not it's a, a, a thing that passes time on the way to the grave and it's entertaining enough that you're not bored watching it yeah but it's it's got its own shots it's got its own style it's kind of got this sort of uh, even like Bollywood like sense to it uh, and even though the the sequences aren't as um, aren't the same as the original, there's some there's some really cool sort of like the the Prince Ali song. The way it's done as a live action is kind of like impressive to watch. And like, it's at least I know that there's there's the whole thing where Guy Ritchie apparently directed it from his trailer. <sighs> it's at least different enough from mm. its original film. Lion King just shocked me in how nothing it was. Yeah, I think my. Like, like I said, I think with with the, I get that it's different to the cartoon, but the whole time I was watching it, I just felt like I'm watching a film, like a story I really love, 
but felt like expanded to be half an hour longer and the half an hour of you know added stuff is pointless but aladdin's a swing and a miss as mm-hmm. whereas lion king's nothing that's the oh like i get that's it you don't point. like aladdin no i'll, I'll I, give you I, that yeah. I, I, absolutely fine aladdin is a swing and a miss you sure it's lion fine? king is nothing it's fine like <laughs> I've, i it's one it's like if someone was like i hate aladdin i'm not gonna go up right i'm gonna die on this hill this is where i make my yeah. stand um it's fine it's just it's 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 something different i it's weird watching lying the lion king remake because you can feel the other film there's even weird bits where they change some of the dialogue yeah. and you're like i know that line i know that line oh isn't it strange i don't know that line. you're being taken out the film because you're like it's a it's a weird remix of the original everything good about the lion king remake is good because it was good in the lion king i even the emo i felt emotion when mufasa died yeah. and i was i was think i was like tear like ready to tear up in the live action lion king going in the original film this is so sad yeah. um it's it's it annoyed me and i've never thought even in a bad film in the cinema i'd never thought i've wasted my time i didn't think i wasted my time seeing rise of skywalker because i wanted to see how it went yeah. i wanted to see all the decisions they've made and i think that it's very interesting for conversation even if all the decisions were bad yeah. lion king wasted so much yeah. of my time i can't believe my, my time i've never felt my time so wasted what in a cinema what are you doing john favreau what are you buddy up to over there at Disney? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Shite. Um, they didn't use... There was also... Det- well, it's not a Disney film, but there was also Detective Pikachu in terms of just like animated monsters. I like. Te- I actually rewatched Detective Pikachu. The really? Other yeah. Did you watch it again? Um, I got it for DVD on Christmas. Uh, and uh, uh, it was a nice rewatch. All that... I think I talked about this on the podcast, maybe. All that sticks out to me about Detective Pikachu is the exper- the weird experience I had in the cinema. Yes. Where I shouted at... I, <laughs> I think you did speak about that on the podcast. I maybe did speak about it on the podcast. I'll, I mean, I'll recall it really quickly just because I've brought it up now. But like when we went to see it, uh, there was a girl who looked like she was probably about... I would say maybe like late teens at the very least. Um, who, for the first like five minutes of the movie, every time a character... Every time Pokemon came on screen went oh he's so cute and like like so loudly and uh, i just felt like my blood like just fucking boiling uh like over overflowing because it was boiling so much and i eventually just leaned forward and i was like hey sorry you need to be quiet okay cheers and like lean back and i was like in my head i was like you just shouted at a teenager but she needs to learn. Yeah. <laughs> like learned. it's like I think it's funny because it's like you didn't go far it's enough. Like, it's like I shouted at a teenager in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> like, um, it says Detective Pikachu. I think it was a really good adaption into li- uh, live action. I like the 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 contrast between realistic and animation. Mm. It like it, I love the design of like yeah. every Pokemon. They that, yeah. they don't they don't look like Roger Ra- Who Framed Roger Rabbit cartoons, but they don't look like one of those you know whenever you see it on Facebook or Reddit, you're like. This is what this Pokemon would look like in real life. Look how horrific it is. Yeah. Um. It they they do a really good redesign of all the Pokemon. It's really fun. It's a you could very much feel it's a family kids film, and it's not apologetic about that. Some of the twists you can see uh, mile a uh, mile off. Uh, although the Ryan Reynolds twist I didn't see, because I thought it, I thought I think I considered it. I was like, I think that's a bit what too that weird. it is his dad. Yeah. I kind of I just thought that was what it was going to be like from the kind of first yeah, 10 minutes of I thought when I was watching I was like I feel like that could be it but I think that twist would be a little too weird mm. it turned out to be as bad as I that. think it's odd that they it's odd that they resolve that in this film 
that's if they want to do sequels it's one of the biggest praises weird, i have yeah. for detective pikachu is it wasn't setting up sequels mm. and that feels so refreshing and do you know why because pokemon's a massive franchise guys yeah, you don't need star to do wars another... is a massive franchise yeah marvel's a massive franchise we know there'll be another pokemon film soon but they can do it whatever the fuck they want to do it on because pokemon's so broad yeah um Although you I wouldn't would... think Star Wars was broad, though, given the content that we yeah we oh, no, give it. You know I mean? Well, I guess there is all the fucking expanded universe. Also, Detective Pikachu yeah, yeah. broke me in terms of laughter because Mewtwo talks with Bill Nye's voice. Nye's voice, it's very and surreal. As soon as Bill Nye came up, I was like, because I feel like there's that that weird disconnect where as soon as Bill Nye came up, you're like, you know, his grandchildren had to tell him what yeah. a Pokemon was, yeah. and you know he didn't get well, it. Apparently, he likes it. Apparently, he loves Pokemon. I, I, I mean, what are you basing that off? He would say it on the press tour. No, well, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> um, We're just being fucking. I felt I had you, this. I had this idea that like his grandchild would have to tell him what a Pokemon was, and even as he's reading the script and doing the film, he still doesn't hundred yeah, percent know what Pokemon is. It's just do for the kids, and then. When they were like swapping minds with Pokemon, I was like, "No way is Mewtwo gonna have Bill Nye's." Fuck yes, I'm on that. That's brilliant. Ten out of ten. Hundred out of ten. <laughs> Best moment of cinema this year. Bill Nye, Mewtwo, perfect cast. Done. Brilliant. Uh, we got horror films. We did. I no, don't we're... feel like I've seen as many horror films I this year, though. I feel like I saw as many either or I don't feel like I saw good I, I guess your your top just... one is going to be Midsummer. yes horror film of the year Midsummer is my horror film of the year it's my third favourite film this year I have you seen it? no that film I rewatched it recently it literally is like the director found a way to replicate an anxiety attack for three hours <laughs> It's incredible, but it's a—it's almost about this kind of. It's almost weirdly about this like self-inflicted anxiety, because, like a large chunk of the film, like the main characters are on drugs, and like having bad trips, which is like this self-inflicted. Yeah. Like if you have if you take drugs and have a bad trip, you have no one to blame but yourself, really. You know, because you not that you have no one to blame but yourself, but you've put yourself in that situation. I get you. Um. And so I, th- I just, yeah, the, the, like I said, the whole film is basically just one big anxiety attack. It's so stressful to watch because it's that kind of anxiety almost of like, you know things are wrong, but you're trying to stay in that kind of like, no, I'm sure everything is. Like that kind of trying to convince yourself until it gets to a breaking point where things get so mental that it's like, just all kind of explodes. It's um something that I think is like really stunning about it is that it is all all the horrors of that film are take place in the most beautiful locations yeah um, like the whole film is, is kind of set in broad daylight <clears throat> in this like gorgeous Swedish, really impressive for a horror film yeah this gorgeous Swedish uh, Swedish village um, and it kind of adds to that anxiety because like I think there is a thing with horror films or at least with like sort of basic horror films where you know a lot of the scary stuff happens at night and then you'll come to a scene during the day and you're like okay you feel a bit you feel a bit more relaxed. There is this kind of anxious feeling around Midsummer because anything could go wrong at any moment, especially because the characters are also most of the time on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not anything like super super original. It's de- you know it's definitely taken major influences from like cult like films that have came before it, especially something like The Wicker Man, 
um, it does kind of descend into the same kind of thing the original Wicker Man does, where the last sort of half an hour is you're just kind of experiencing this weird ritual without the context to understand what the ritual is. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and it's, it is like a tiny, it's kind of like not predictable, that's maybe the wrong word, but you definitely get to a point where you're like, okay, I know how this is going to play out. Like they give you the pieces of the puzzle in the beginning and it's, it's, it's kind of, it becomes very, it, it becomes very obvious like where it's going to play out how it's going to play out but i think it's 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 the whole thing of like the filmmaking on display is so much better than a lot of horror that's out right now that it just elevates it so even though you're watching this film that maybe is a little bit predictable and maybe is something you've seen before it stands above those um it's really great and you should see it like right now i mean it's got that same ari aster have you seen hereditary no i've not seen Hereditary. i need to fucking see Hereditary. i'm not a horror film Guy. He has a way of like when a character is upset, like the, to the point of like of you know like breakdown. It's so intense to watch. Like he gets these really intense performances out of people. He did it with uh, I've forgotten her name from Hereditary. Whoops. So we'll just keep moving. And he gets it from <laughs> uh, <Seamless>. Eddie. <coughs> Uh, from the actress in Her- Hereditary and from Florence Pugh in this, there are two scenes where they kind of deal with the loss of a relative. And it's so intense. Like, watching them, like, cry through that emotion. Um, Like, it doesn't feel like acting. It feels genuine. Like, I've seen people in that state and I know what it's like to see someone in that state. And it is just, like, it's hard to watch. Again, it's what I mean about that whole thing. If the whole film just makes you anxious. I love it. It's fucking brilliant. Cool. Um... I saw Us this year. I missed Us. Do you want to I really film? like Get Out, but I missed Us. Us is kind of a weird one. I It's one of the only films I think I've rewatched this year, and it's went down in my estimation a little Ooh, bit. wow. And I think it's because I, I really like the... Th- at the same as Get Out, it's like a very thematic film. And it's got a lot to say about kind of the way... I think whereas like... Uh, Whereas Get Out is much more kind of like how black people are sort of treated in society. I think like Us is more just about how poorer people are treated in society. I think the problem that Us gets into is that it gets, and I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but it gets it gets too specific about the thing that's happening. So like in Get Out, obviously, you, you, you know, you get to that kind of end reveal and it's like they're, they're, you know the the white people are putting themselves into the bodies of these like young athletic black men mm. to live out this kind of weird fantasy that they have well th- this weird thing where they think that you know these guys have the best genes and so that's how they want to live their life and stuff like that and it gets kind of specific about it but it's it's not so crazy that you know because it's still like a, a sort of bonkers horror concept but it's not so crazy that it's 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 hard to grasp what's happening you know what i mean us, I think the issue is it gets too specific with what's going on and it raises far too many questions. Because you're like, well, where, where, what's been happening here? Where have these people been living? Who's been doing this to them? Who gave them that? How's this, how does this work? Like, and I think that breaks the like immersion of the film a little bit for me because I have too many questions. But I think that it could have easily been solved by just keeping it vague. 
Right. By not necessarily because you know the plot of the film, it's like they they get their it's like doppelgangers yeah. of the family show up at their house and start terrorizing them. And they get so specific about where those doppelgangers have came from that it just gets, it like I said, it just raises too many questions and it gets too, it it kind of almost like ruins the film, and ruins like the theme of the film because I kind of get to a point where I forget what I'm even supposed to be feeling because I just have so many questions, and then the film ends. Oh dear. Um, it's not a bad film by any fucking stretch. Like it's still like above and beyond. A lot of stuff that came out this year and uh lapita nanyong's does two performances they uh, all four of the sort of main characters do two performances her one in particular though is very intense because whereas the rest of them their doppelganger is kind of just a silent version of them hers is the sort of leader who does a lot okay. of the talking and it is incredible because she has to convey an intense amount of fear as the real person and then just this like terrifying fucking version of herself for the doppelganger, which is great. I really liked it. Cool. I saw Doctor Sleep. I was meant to see that. I even watched <laughs> The Shining as preparation. Oh, really? Yeah. I watched it. I rewatched The Shining because I was like, it's been a long time since I've seen that. Um, but I never got to see Doctor. Sleep. I think I I think I like Doctor Sleep like a lot more than most people seem to. Okay. I really really dug it. I think a lot of that has to do with just how, for the at least the first part anyway. This is where I'll get, I'll get into my problem with it, but like, <clears throat> for the most part, it is so kind of removed from the plot of The Shining. It's not just a continuation of the Overlook Hotel. It's it it takes like that element of The Shining, which is The Shining, which is something that isn't really explored all that much in the first movie, um, and like expands on that a lot more and kind of just builds this new um kind of story around it and introduces like these other supernatural characters uh into the world who are kicking about rose the hat who's the villain who i thought was great it's just it's like that it's this kind of like old school kind of long form horror film that doesn't get made as much these days although saying that this year there was it too as well um which is stephen king um, which wasn't as good. I hated it too. Yeah, I I thought that's why I didn't bother to see. I like it, it one a lot. Uh, like I really really do. I think um, you know, it's Stranger Things, but with clowns. But um, I think it's it does a lot of good character work in that film, and you really do feel a sense of like a bond between all the kids. The issue that the second one runs into. Did you see it? No. The issue the second one runs into is that they split them all up. So they all show up in the town, they reunite, and that's where it's most interesting. And then they all split up to go find their totem. Or whatever it is, and then they you you follow each individual character as they go to find theirs, and each character the this the situation plays out the same. They go to the place where uh the thing that they need to get is stashed. They have they remember an encounter with it that happened during the timeline of the first movie, but we don't see because it's just an excuse to bring the kids back. Okay, um, that happens. Then they have. An interaction with it there like in that present time and then they get their thing and they leave and that happens five or six separate times okay. and that's like the middle hour of the movie and it becomes so predictable so tedious so boring and then it's funny because you have them all you have them all split up for so- you okay you have them oh, so. No, I, I'm sorry, I was going. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, no. um, I thought there was something wrong with your recording. Um, you have them split up for such a huge amount of time 
that when they get back together and they you know they do all the stuff and they fucking kick the fuck out of it and all that kind of stuff and then they kind of try to bring it back to like we were all in this together and we had each other and it's like no you didn't <laughs> you haven't been together in this movie for like an hour and a half like this bullshit I really didn't like it okay. um, but Dr. Seuss I really it. enjoyed I didn't like it you didn't like it I didn't like it and like it shopped here too um but dr sleep i think the part where it starts to where it started to kind of not work for me is in the last half hour it does it does become that let's revisit the shining right movie like ready player one did yeah it goes away from the reason i was really enjoying it was because it was doing its own thing um and it was introducing like new elements of this this world of the shining and then when they go back to the overlook hotel and it does just become Remember this from The Shining. Remember this from The Shining. Remember this from The Shining. We're going to film this exactly how it was in The Shining. She's going to do this just like what happened in The Shining. And then the movie's going to end. I know, or at least I'm fairly positive that that doesn't happen in the book because obviously the difference in the book of The Shining to the film is that at the end of the book they burn the hotel down. So I think in Doctor Sleep there's no hotel to go back to. Whereas this film is kind of more a sequel to... The I mean, it's very much a sequel to the, yeah. Stevens, the Stanley Kubrick, uh, Kubrick movie. So they're able to go back to the hotel and it does just become this kind of greatest hits thing to the point where where they when they start to bring the plot back in and start to try and resolve things, I'd kind of forgotten what certain characters' motivations were and stuff because we had spent 20 minutes remembering how good The Shining was. But it's good. I really enjoyed it. Like, I really, really did. Cool. Um, and I think that's, like, all the horror this year. And you didn't see any of those? No, I... I yeah, I've not been on horror at all this year. So yeah, that's all the horror films that you didn't see this year. <laughs> um, comedy. I yeah. mean, there's the big comedy that I really love this year, and I know you really love this year. Booksmart. Yeah, yeah, I do really love Booksmart. Again, this is uh, this was the one uh, I I think I brought up as an example at the very beginning of this podcast episode, which was like it's a film that I really love, and I don't fully remember why I really loved it. I liked. Uh, it was a high school film, uh, high school comedy in the same vein as Superbad. I know it had big comparisons to mm-hmm. it at the time. Do you but, know that the the lead actress is Jonah Hill's sister? Yes, I didn't know that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, that was part of the Superbad comparison. Oh, was it's it? Like, I only learned that recently. So. Um, yes, I did know that. Um, mm. That's good. Well done. But like, it was a high school film. But think better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, especially when it comes to Jonah Hill's relations. Um, <laughs> kind of relations. I know his dad. Do you know his dad? <laughs> Do you know his dad? I hang out with Papa his dad. Hill. <laughs> Good. Uh, but I, I really, what I appreciated most about Booksmart is that no one's really the bad guy. There's no real bully that, not in the same sense as that, a lot of high school films have. Mm. Um, it kind of towards the end, especially at the end. Uh, it, it turns into very um, every everybody's on the same page. Everybody gets along because yeah. no, they're all just teenagers trying to get through it. And I, I love the introduction, the whole setup of like these people that were book smart, who are um, like they focused on studying and they've got into top universities. And then it turns out all these people that were cool and were partying have also also gone to those universities. I love that it, like it presents a world that like is not as. Um, uh, 2D as like a lot of things would mm. suggest uh, and I appreciate the, um, the story the interaction with all the other people I just thought it was a really wholesome film absolutely lovely 
Love books smacked to pieces. Is it uh, Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter? Yes. Who plays the kind of upper class, like in crazy? Yeah. Woman? Brilliant. Yeah, Best part of the film. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I also think uh, me and Olivia Coleman have the same taste in music because every song that plays, I'm like, that's like, that's like, yeah, my fucking um, go-to song. There was like, quite yeah. a few songs in that that I was like, that's really cool. There's an Elsie <laughs> Sensus song, which actually, Oh Baby came up in something else this year, but I think it was a TV series. It might have even been the Teen Titans TV series. Okay. Oh Baby came up because I was like, oh my lord, that's twice I've seen. Directed oh Baby. by Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson. What guy? Vid- oh no, the video for uh, OBD. Oh, okay. So you're going to direct Teen Titans? Yeah, he direct. Yeah, fuck it. He can dabble. <laughs> um, Should yeah. subvert all our expectations. Um, did you see? Uh, did you see Mid Nineties? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really cool. I really loved it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like all the complaints I've seen about that film, I also think where it's like I think the older brother character is kind of poorly handled. I, I also, yeah. I also think that the the kind of like weird tension that starts to like brew between the two sort of older members of the group isn't really there isn't sort of a conclusion to that okay um but i think the film has i think the film recaptures that feeling like i think it's probably the film above all these things where they keep remaking movies from my childhood and stuff like that like of all the things to make me feel nostalgic this year i think it was mid-90s because mid-90s reminded me of what it was like to be that age to just go hang out with your friends just for the sake of hanging out yeah like now when we hang out with people it's always like for something or it's always to do something you know what i mean it's like so rare do you just go i mean you don't you don't just go like sit at a mcdonald's <laughs> for four hours doing nothing like just pissing the time away Aye. Like, it's it's very much like it recaptures the feeling of having all the time in the world. When you had to hang out in a skate shop in order to meet yeah. your friends. Yeah. Um, I, I know the feeling. I thought for like a first bash at directing. Yeah. I think it's like a pretty solid. Like I said, I think some of the, the story elements aren't wrapped up as well as they could be. Hmm. But like I did really love it. I've watched it twice now, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm like, I, I, both times I still got that same feeling. Same yeah, it's really it. really cool. I really like that. It's it's very very easy to villainize these people that are letting this kid drink and uh, take uh, smoke and stuff like that. It'd be really easy to vilify him, but they don't. They make him seem more like a family than his actual family. Uh, I did halfway through the film wonder if this was kind of some sort of weird fantasy fulfillment mm. like a weird sort of like um imagine how cool it would be if you were like the coolest party dude who drunk smoke got with girls but you're already 13 yeah like you know how when you were 13 all of those people bragged about how they all used to do those things and they didn't imagine if you were, you were that, that guy, guy. <laughs> and i was there was a kind of sense of like mm, maybe this is borderline and a little too fantasy mm. fulfillment but i think the film brings it back brings me back around by the end yeah i think it captures that like i don't i don't think that the the kind of conflict between like the two older members of the group are handled super well but i do think like the the conflict between him like the main character and the kind of guy who brings him into the group initially and then that guy starts to become very jealous of the main character mm. i think that's handled quite well because they do do that thing of that kids do where that jealousy just seeps in yeah and you kind of just start ignoring them or bullying them and then eventually it just kind of comes to a head and he just comes up to him and just like fucking lays him out and they both start fighting and 
it's very much that kind of yeah that childish thing of like you don't really know how to process your emotions yeah. properly so you just kind of lash out all the time um yeah i'm a big fan um i guess if we're like in comedy like i don't really know where these two films would properly fit in but like the farewell did you see that i haven't seen the farewell <clears throat> with aquafina um which i <clears throat> obviously is a film about a true story um where they find out that their grandma who still stays in china is dying but the family's not going to tell her that she's dying because that's a very legal thing that you can do in china uh whereas the main character is kind of primarily raised in america and it's kind of a film about these like clashing ideologies and on how we deal with death uh it's very funny but it is like it's it's like very sad because you have to deal the whole time with the main character getting to spend hello uh, it's uh, you know the main character getting to spend this time with her grandmother that she knows might be her last but she can't Tell say her. anything okay yeah um but the thing i kind of found most interesting about the film was it, it it shows a lot of the major differences between kind of eastern and western cultures and how they deal with things like death and marriage but it never takes a stance on like which is right okay it's just like these are just the way that two different parts of the world deal with these things it might seem strange to you but to them it makes sense because they think about family in a different way yeah and they think about people in a different way and it's like i really really loved it um there is a particularly moving speech uh kind of towards the end from aquafina's character and it was like it got me it got me pretty good oh um there's also beats i didn't see beats which is a fucking scottish film represent baby represent yeah uh which I, I really loved. Again, it's got that same kind of thing of uh, mid-90s where I felt like it really recaptured that. It really made me feel very nostalgic, but it made me feel more nostalgic for that kind of time where like school was ending and you thought that you could fucking do anything and you were just going out. like You still weren't at that age where you could like go into town, so you just went out and did random shit and like got <laughs> into trouble and stuff. And I think it's got that kind of... It, it's, it's kind of a film primarily about those like really intense bonds that you form with people when you're younger okay and then you bump into them in the street years later and you know they were your best friend at one point and you haven't thought about them in two years you know Aww. what i mean but they were like this big part of your life i think it kind of captures that quite nicely um it's also got this like fucking like gorgeous black and white cinematography and um the soundtrack is all comprised of like rave music because that's the, what the whole film is about yeah. is like they're trying to get to this rave and i think it's great I, another reason i think it stands out is because like even though it's a film about rave culture which i know literally nothing about it's still very relatable yeah well you that's what, I mean? what a film could do best isn't yeah. it when um when you can take a, a subculture or a, a, a part of the world where you don't know anything about and then make it relatable yeah would you say it's your favorite scottish film about music between that and wild rose i would say beats just creeps above yeah wild rose i think is great and wild rose i love the message at the heart of wild rose this kind of idea of like because did you watch it i have i've seen wild rose did you like it i liked wild rose yeah because yeah. her whole goal she wants to be a country singer she wants to be a country western singer yes and it's sort of her in her mind the only way she can do that is to get to nashville hmm. and i do like that the film kind of makes this statement of like you don't you don't need to be in a particular place to do the thing you love you can kind of make it work anywhere if yeah. you 
have that have that kind of passion but i think it's also interesting because it it's it's tackling like chasing after your dreams but it's tackling it from the perspective of a person who isn't really in a position anymore to do that yeah well never been in a position yeah to do that. exactly um uh yeah i really loved it i thought uh, jesse buckley i actually ended up going to see her live oh really while yeah. performing wild rose songs yes like a few months later um okay uh where the fuck did i see her saint luke's i think in town okay. um it was funny because it was kind of like me and katie and then like a whole bunch of like sort of 40 year olds <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i ended up going to see her live and, and she was fucking outstanding like, yeah i mean singer. when she sings in that film even though like I, i'm not really a country music person uh, much the same way you're not a rave person but yeah uh i was still like Wait, I, was... I am a country music person you're a huge rave person i'm all about the 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 continuous sound in music yep uh yeah absolutely um love the songs in it i love to sing it i loved how it's like almost so close to being on the edge of being a musical like it's kind of just so close because you know Glasgow isn't a musical. I don't know if you've seen out there. Yeah, it's not a musical. You can see your old flat at one point. There's there's a bunch of places. Yeah. That um there's a there's a road she runs down to get back in order to make sure the ankle doesn't her ankle bracelet. And that's go off. Your, that's the street that your flat used to be on basically. Yes, although yeah. it's the it's the one I um walk down almost every day. Yeah. I'm like that's so weird. Where was I that day? The um one of the places that uh she goes is like right the way uh, right the way down the road from my work. Mm. Like I was like I might have been on shift. Is that the the, the western bar that she goes yeah. to? Yeah. The old Osprey or something. Yeah. Like that well. That's like right away uh, that's like right next to my work and i'm like that's so strange i wonder where i was when she was filming that yeah um yeah no both like really i thought very strong outputs from yeah those scottish boys even though pretty sure the director of wild rose is english and you know fuck them that's fine yeah i hate it (laughs) (laughs) zero out of ten um yeah, in terms of comedies, I guess would Thunder Road fall under this category? Yeah, I could see Thunder Road in comedies. It's it's it. I mean, it's it's very back and forth with that tone, isn't it? It plays with that. Well, tone. that's what I think. The best, the kind of best part of Thunder Road is how perfectly he is able to balance that kind yeah. of drama yeah. and that comedy. Where like there are scenes in that film where the emotions are turned up to eleven. And he is really like pouring his heart out, but they still find he's still able to find like funny moments. In yeah, that. because I think just emo like I think he just seems to see like emo- very emotionally people or people in very emotional moments as inherently funny. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. What you like mean, the film even, opens yeah. with him giving a speech at a funeral. It's hard to watch, and it's ha- it's really hard to watch. It's and a man breaking har- down, and it's yeah. hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard to watch, but but it's also funny. It's still hilarious, and it's. He walks that line so perfectly. It's really, uh, really good. The only criticism I have with Thunder Road is it's kind of mean-spirited ending I remember towards you talking the about mum. This, yes. So uh, I guess spoiler for it, but I, um, actually, I don't want to go specifically to it. There's a they they take a you should see it absolutely see it if you haven't seen it. It's on Netflix now, which yeah, is why I keep absolutely. telling people I'm like, fucking, go, you have no excuse. It'll take you an hour and a half. Yeah. Right? There's just an, an outcome for a story that I just thought was a little too mean-spirited. Um, it's a little mean spirited, but then I also feel like because of that character, he is so hard done upon for that whole movie. But there's a bunch of the stuff 
that the he the reasons he's hard uh, done by is not unfounded. Mm. Like they they uh, when they're talking about custody for his kid, they talk about anger issues, mm. and you're like, well, yeah, he does have anger issues. Now, some of it you can understand is probably because he recently was it his mother or his father he lost his mother his mother. Um, it has been a while since I've seen the film. He he's going through grief. But you're like it's as an as an audience member, you're like a lot of this isn't unfounded. Like we know that we relate to him and understand that he's going through a hard time, and he's being miss. He's just struggling with communication. But that doesn't mean it's it's they're, they're all wrong. Yeah. Everybody that opposes him is wrong. I mean, he lo- like loses his job, but like um, that's not a bad decision necessarily. Yeah. It's a very unstable. Uh, but it's just like there's a there's an end into it that's just a really mean spirited, a bit. A bit unnecessarily mean spirited. Mm. Um, yeah, Thunder Road. But then they do follow that up with, like, they don't end on that note. I think they follow up with quite like a sweet note. Not for the the said character. Yeah, I guess so. That's Not true, for yeah. the said character, and I think that that was unnecessary. It was an unnecessary resolution to that character. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit strange. We do that. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, I got to meet him, so we're best pals. And, you uh, got to meet the voice I'm, of Winnie the Pooh. I'm going to tell him what you said. Yeah, go on. I'm going to fucking go to jail. I ain't afraid of him. My pal thinks you fucking did wrong by the, the wife character in this film. And then he'll be like, fucking show me where he lives. And I'll be like, just watch Wild Rose. <laughs> <laughs> he can see his flat. He's always flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. You can find traces, I'm sure. Um, is that comedies? I think so. Yeah. Think what, are we so. Hitting now? what are we hitting now, baby boy? Drama. Yeah, and the Irishman. Oh, I didn't see it. You didn't fucking see it. I forgot about that. You didn't take three, three and a half hours out of your fucking busy life. <laughs> it's a long time. Sit and watch old uh, men pretend went... to be twenty years old. <laughs> December went by really quickly. Um, I think it's kind of outstanding. Yeah, yeah. A I um top tier Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard to tell. Well, no, not hard to tell. I don't know. I don't because I, I think a lot of the Martin Scorsese films I've seen numerous times. This I've still only seen the once because yeah. where the fuck do I find time to watch this? Again? <laughs> um, I I but the the thing is, it's like obviously there's the all the jokes about how long it is. It's very long. Yeah, it takes a while to watch. Yeah, I don't think you could lose a minute of it. Yeah, I I understand that. That's the problem though, is that it's long, but also it's Necessary. like an essential watch. I think to get to make the point that he is trying to make at the end of the film you you need to see every aspect of his life from the get-go right to make that kind of point at the end um and i do think it works i i think it's interesting to see because he i i feel like he he has he almost has two different levels that he works at there's the kind of like quite high energy stuff like wolf of wall street like good fellas, like very fast moving, very like whips along, like quips and, and lots of crazy edits and things like that. And you've got films like Silence, which move at a very like patient pace. Um, and I think it's interesting to see The Irishman because it feels like a film that should have that kind of high energy to it, but instead he 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 kind of approaches the story with the patience of silence okay and it makes for kind of an interesting watch um or i thought anyway um the 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 main the big issue with it is is the de-aging stuff it does look good but it's not enough 
to mask the fact that like these are 60 70 year old men pretending to be in their 30s and it's just the way they move and the way they kind of like the way they kind of present themselves like it never feels young and that kind of takes you out of the film sometimes i thought okay but that is it like on from a story point of view from a kind of directing point of view i think it's pretty perfect i think it is just the de-aging stuff is a bit wonky okay i've heard back and forth about the de-aging stuff being like a bit i've I've heard some people say it's not good it's pretty wonky but like i said i do think it is all to do with we know what Robert De Niro looked like when he was young. Yeah, we've and, all seen Raging Bull, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, and that isn't what Robert De Niro looked like when he was young. That's what old Robert De Niro de-aged <laughs> looks like. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, 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 and your brain just kind of can't process it properly, so you never get past that uncanny valley effect almost. Aye. I get you. Um, I'll have to watch it. You should. Yeah. Take all the time. Um, I will take all the time because it takes every all minute. the time. Every single minute. Uh, I guess Draba, I would say on your recommendation, probably my film of the year, even though I've not looked through and properly seen it, uh, if it would be, uh, I watched Marriage Story. Yeah, baby. You Fucking watched it? loved Marriage Story it's pretty great, so right? much. Um, um, not that I should be surprised because the director, Noah, I can't remember how he Bombac, pronounced it. Bombach, I think. Bombach. Uh, he's fucking outstanding writer. Yeah, I love him great, so right? much. Um, he's very much a... He's like a, he's got this kind of contemporary Woody Allen vibe, but um, he's making yeah. films better Without than Woody Allen. Shagging his stepdaughter. Yes, <laughs> presumably, but also good films. Yeah, like good recent films. It um, it kind of it had that same kind of thing as like the farewell that I was talking about, where it presents these two kind of points of view and doesn't take a side. Really. Yeah, I really like how even it's because. It's it's a film about Adam Driver's character. Mm. Like, you can't dispute that. Like, it's his perspective the whole film comes from. But there are times where you go back and forth of, like, disliking Scarlett Johansson's character. But I feel like the majority of time, if you pick a moment, you still understand where she's coming from. And the way it's balanced is, like, so good. And it seems such a, a mess yeah. of a situation to be in. And I love how... Adam Driver kind of has this naive because it's about I should I should say it's about um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are a couple with a kid. They break up. They're on different sides of America, one New York, one Los Angeles, and they're trying to figure out what to do with their kid. Yeah, uh, and it is very it's like it starts off where it seems like they're going to solve it quite diplomatically yeah. with each other without lawyers, and then it uh, escalates and escalates and escalates. And people say things they don't really mean and people say things that they they've always meant to say and it it becomes really really messy and they you still get this sense at the end that they don't hate each other at all even remotely yeah they still kind of like have an affection for each other despite the fact all of this stuff comes on uh, goes on and i think it's just it's it's very humanism it's like very it's such it's such an empathetic look yeah at that it's, sort easy, of thing. it's easy to sympathize with with both of them yeah because you can sympathize with scarlett johansson because you 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 get where she's coming from her identity has kind of been put on hold i guess because her identity became being in a relationship with him and doing the things he wanted to do yeah and kind of crafting herself based on what he wanted and you can understand why you would want to get out of that Hmm. and then you sympathize with adam driver because as far as he was concerned 
there was no problem. He says it in the film. He's like, you loved our life until you didn't. And it's like, you do you do feel bad for him because you're like, he he's not a bad person. He wasn't doing anything like inherently bad, if that makes sense. But it's... Apart from cheating. Of course, I forget about the part where he cheats. <laughs> but, you know, he... And you feel bad because it, this has just been kind of dropped on him and he doesn't understand why and he yeah. can't process it and... Yeah, I I found it really that was what I enjoyed about it the most was because I think it was it was easy to even though they are obviously like these kind of characters who it almost does have that kind of it could have that La La Land effect. The reason I I'm not a big fan of La La Land is because it's these two very attractive people with a lot, you know, a lot going on for themselves. Uh, and then you know they get to the end and they're oh, but none of it matters because they couldn't be together, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're still sad about that. And I think Marriage Story could have had that element of feeling unsympathetic towards them because they are quite well off. And, you know, even though they're going through this divorce, it's like things are going to be fine for them. You know mm. what I mean? Like they still have these great lives. One's an actress in like a up-and-coming TV show. One's like a theatre director with dozens of awards yeah. and stuff. Like they're going to be fine. But I think because they give them these just very relatable like kind of feelings towards the situation that they're in it's like easy to connect to them yeah. both and see like every time it like kind of switches perspectives i'm like oh i'm on their side like fuck yeah and then it switched back to them and i'm like no oh, like adam driver you're being so hard done by and, and like, <laughs> um but i agree with you it covers all that stuff it cover it really gets into like how messy divorce can be Especially two people have kid. never been through divorces but like um speak for yourself it's it's more it's it's the, the aspect of like things when it comes to the lawyers and they have all these moments where this tiny insignificant event will happen like he doesn't buckle the the the, 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 the kids yeah car seat in, and that gets pulled up in court it's a lot of, that, this a lot of throwaway moment. lines yeah. yeah um they get brought back and it's 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 hard to watch like how dirty people can fight there's a brilliant... And you feel bad for them because neither of them want to yeah. hurt each other. There's a brilliant moment that like that escalates to where um, Scarlett Johansson makes a joke. I can't remember what it is, but it's something like, "Oh, I could sure kill that kid or something." Sometimes mm-hmm. she, and then like there's a moment of pause, and she's like, and you can tell they're both thinking, "What if that comes up in court?" Yeah, and then she goes, "I'm joking, by the way." And Adam Drive's like, "Yeah, sorry, I, I know that." And you're like, "That was tense because yeah. that everything's become so petty." Like, ah, oh, it's a brilliant film. Fucking Incredible love it. Film. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you watched it because I was really like hammering into you that you need to watch it. I've, I've so. watched it. On your recommendation, I watched it. So I guess like the last film that we like really kind of wanted to talk about is what, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which is your film of the year, right? Which is my film of the year. I caught me off guard. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just, um, I don't know if I'd have thought it as your film of the year. I don't know. So the first time I saw it, I wasn't that crazy about it. Right. I kind of came out of it and I found it, I felt like it was a little bit insensitive in terms of the way it deals with the, you know, the Manson killings. And I found the kind of meandering pace of it a bit hard to deal with. Like there's nothing to really latch onto for a lot of the film. Yeah. Um, I, and I kind of thought that the, the, the Shannon Tate character was underutilized. Uh, and then I went to see it again. And I, I feel like I had like a kind of fucking mind meld with it. And it all made sense <laughs> to me. Where like, 
I don't think it's a, it's not that he handles the Manson murders insensitively. I think Quentin Tarantino clearly like seems to spend the first two hours of that film stating that he considers the 1960s Hollywood to be the golden age of Hollywood. And he seems to think that the Manson murders is what killed it. Hmm. That's what brought it to an end. And things have kind of never been the same since then. And so he seems to have done that. He created this kind of cathartic... Uh, revenge fantasy. Yeah. Where it's Which like, a lot of his films recently have been revenge fantasies. It's, yeah, it does that kind of thing of like making a mockery of... It, Jojo Rabbit, I think, kind of does the same thing, which I don't know if you've seen yet. I saw it, yeah. <clears throat> it kind of does the same thing with, like, um, it it belittles the Nazis, this, and this film, like, I feel like belittles the Manson Party by kind of showing just how ridiculous they were and how yeah, just m- mental, like, their views and things like that, you know, you know were. Um, and I think it's interesting because I think it, soon... Like, I don't think... I, I think if Hollywood... If, like, mainstream cinema keeps going the way it's going, you're not going to get films like this in the mainstream right. much longer. Yeah. A film that literally takes 15 minutes in the middle to stop the any kind of plot and to just... Just appreciate Sharon Tate as an actress. Yeah. Because the character Sharon Tate goes to the cinema and watches herself on screen, but it's not Margot Robbie on screen. It's, it's Sharon Tate. And you just watch her. And it's like the film does this great job of reminding you that she's not just a victim of Charles Manson. Yeah. She was a person and she was an actress and she was quite like an incredible like comedic actress. Um, I just kind of loved it for that. I love the whole aesthetic of it. I just, I love how I kind of got into the meandering vibe of it. I kind of got into that like sort of just yeah. day in the life. Yeah. I think it's almost like slackers a little bit. Yeah. There, there's but... a, I feel like it was a film that's would be quite easy to just watch casually on an evening. Yeah. Because you're just like, it's it's kind of relaxing in a way. Until you get way. to the last, like, Until you get to the last yeah. bit. Which is probably one of his most violent things like yeah. he's ever done. Which But it's so played mental. for comedy. That's yeah. what I mean. It's like, well, it's and like I, a think, Looney I, I think it's that weird thing of, like, I remember the first time I saw it, I, I, I was like, okay, so he did the same thing in Inglorious Bastards. You know, they burst into the fucking theater and shoot Hitler in the yeah. face. And you're like, wow, this is crazy. Ha ha ha. But it's that thing of, you know, Hitler, it feels like this kind of so far removed thing. And he's been done so many times in, in film and stuff. And Whereas I think the Manson murders, for some reason, like there's something much more personal about yeah. the Manson murders. Like you read the account of what they did to Sharon Tate and her friends and it's, it's horrific yeah oh it's mental but it feels much more personal obviously the crimes of the Nazi party are horrific but it's on this huge global level yeah um, and I think that was kind of why I first thought it was thought it was insensitive but the second time I just I just didn't like it just made sense to me yeah why he did that and I really love it I think like everyone's on top of their game I think it might be Brad Pitt's like best performance that's bold um, I could watch him just drive around yeah. 1960s Hollywood. I want that as like my desktop screensaver. Like, do you still get screensavers? So it's a thing. It's the 2000s. It's the 20s now. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, 2020s. Um, yeah, uh, I really love it. it I get my it. Film of the year. I love. Um, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I really. Um, I really got into that. I really got into that era. It's I funny because really liked... I have a poster and we keep looking up at the yeah. poster. <laughs> I just remember, remember yeah. how great it was. Um. 
I'm surprised by how little Charles Manson's in it. Yeah, he gets one scene. Yeah, and it's very quick. And he Which barely... I kept... I, yeah, I really kept expecting him to pop up again, especially when Brad Pitt goes to the ranch. Yeah. And there's a great, like, there's a great tension that's created in that scene because you know where he is. Like, Brad Pitt, like, you know he's on the Manson ranch. And it's like, well, fuck, like, what are they going to do to him? And then, like, nothing really happens because, again, he just makes a mockery of them, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I really do love it. It's definitely yeah. my, my film of the year. Makes sense. Um, Good choice. There is one other film that I really quickly want to talk about, and it's just because we just talked about my, my favorite film of the year. I want to really quickly go over my, my least favorite film of the year. Go on. Did Rise you... of Skywalker. It is not Rise of Skywalker. It's not Cats. It's not Aladdin. It's not X-Men Days of Future Past. It's not Hellboy. Um, did you see uh, The Dead Don't Die? No, uh, because apparently it was horrible. So this is the, the new Jim Jarmusch movie. Right. Jim Jarmusch movie, uh, I think he's most famous for things like Ghost Dog, Broken Flowers, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, Cigarettes and Coffee, all these kind of films that a lot of the time are just kind of quite simple dramas um, where just people kind of kick about and they kind of quietly talk to each other and it's all good and then the movie ends and... The Dead Don't Die is a zombie movie with like this kind of crazy cast. It's got like Bill Murray, yeah, Adam it's Driver. It's cast. a crazy cast. Tilda yeah. Swinton. And so I went to see it. I was really excited. Because uh, Jim Jamish's last film, Patterson, his last film before this, is one of my favorite movies. Yes. Adam Driver plays a bus driver uh, in a town called Patterson. Um, and he's also a poet. And that's the plot of that movie. That's it. There's no there's no other like there's no there's no other element. That's the movie. Hmm. And <clears throat> there's a what I like about that movie so much and it's kind of why I liked Wild Rose what we talked about earlier where it's kind of filmed about achieving your dreams wherever you are Uh, I feel like uh, Patterson is very much a film about if you write poems just because you are not a published poet does not mean you are not a poet Hmm. and I think that stands for a lot of things like in terms of like creativity and artistry if you if you paint but your painting's never been hung in a museum. It doesn't make you any less of a painter. You are still a painter. And I, I really like that film because it's 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 an ode to that and it's an ode to kind of just the, the common man and this ode to just, yeah, just people out living their lives and not everyone is, you know, not everyone's just a fucking drone. Like, yeah. people have these, like, these lives and they might seem simple, but there's, like, a beauty in that. You know what I mean? And yeah. the things that these these people that, that people can create, you know, that a bus driver can create these beautiful poems, and he doesn't care that anyone sees them because, like, they're important to him and they matter to him, and that's all that's that's all that matters. The Dead Don't Die basically undoes like everything I feel that movie stood for, and it really made me angry, <laughs> like angrier oh, really? than fucking any other film I saw this year, because it basically it basically tries to do that kind of zombie thing, that very cliche zombie thing of like everyone is just a zombie and everyone's just walking around on their phones uh, now and everyone just is oh this person all bloody millennials shot, that kind of thing and it really really angered me because i was like what was even the point what was the point in patterson patterson you were trying to i felt trying to make this beautiful statement about people finding beauty in people's ordinary lives and in this one it's like no you're all sheep you're all fucking sheep and you all voted for Donald Trump and you're all just idiots and I'm Jim Jamush and I know better than all of you and it really made me angry it also doesn't help the film's not very well made in my opinion 
It's not particularly funny. It does this weird thing where it breaks the fourth wall, but only like twice. Okay. And it doesn't really make sense as to why. Um, but those kind of things are so below why I really hate it, which is that it just seems to go back on everything that he tried to say with his last film. Okay. Um, I hate it, and it's my least favorite film this year. Fuck you, Jim. You better undo that shit. You better make your next film Patterson 2. <laughs> where he's writing poems and he now he fucking now he's doing something even more mundane. Not the driving a bus, I'm sure driving a bus is great, but I mean I'm a fucking stock controller at a shop, that's not that exciting. <laughs> like, um but yeah, that's my least favorite film this year. I just really want to quickly mention it so yeah. that we covered all the grounds. Are we just gonna end on a negative note? Um, you may be fucking zombies. I didn't mind Zombieland Two. It was fine, but that was a mediate. That's a mediocre note we've now left on. John Wick Three was really good. John Wick Three was really good. John Wick Three. Turned... That's the positive yeah, note. We that's the positive note. Well, John Wick Three was good. John Wick Three. The first forty minutes of that film are spectacle beyond belief. Yeah, it's as good action as you get. Yeah. Um, it really go. It really takes them like the first one. There's an introduction to mythology. Second one expands the mythology. The third one runs with it. Like he's in the middle of the desert at yeah. one point. Oh, it's, this like pilgrimage. Yeah. It's mental. It's so ridiculous what they have built out of a film about but they've just done a man it really whose dog well. gets killed. Yeah, they've done it very well, and they've constructed it really well. And I'm excited for John Wick Part Four. Fuck yeah, yeah. When it started to when it ended on a cliffhanger, first time I saw it, I was kind of a little bit bummed out because I was like, oh, I thought we were gonna get like a completed arc. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, nah, I'm down for more of this. Give me fucking 17 more John Wicks. Like, I'm so game. Make him till we're dead. Yeah, just keep making them till we're dead. Because Keanu Reeves is going to live forever. He's out. He's going to live in all that good goodwill that he's given out to well, the he's, people. He's like. the one of those celebrities that's like, have you seen this picture of this guy in yeah, the 1700s? Given, it's Keanu Reeves. He's one of those people who's like, oh, here's like, oh, Keanu Reeves donated fucking... 200 boxes of chicken nuggets to the children's hospital isn't he such a great guy he's like terrible donation <laughs> chicken nuggets yeah oh, that's a terrible donation I'm not saying McDonald's chicken nuggets maybe they're good chicken nuggets organic organic chicken nuggets yeah you're using fertilizer on that shit yeah sure fuck you <laughs> and that's what we'll end on John McFree um, fuck you that was fun. That was like a two-hour romp through yeah. fucking the movies of 2019, or some of them. There's a lot we didn't talk about. Yeah, There's not enough time in the world. We don't want to bog, get bogged down. We would be here for days. But Scott Morrison, talking of cliffhangers, uh-huh. what's your favourite film of the decade? What's the John Wick end credits music? Like, we'll just pump that in. Um, yeah, we're gonna like, we're gonna do films of the decade. That's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, we're gonna need one. to do like a lot of like prep for that. I don't think that I imagine. I don't think we'll discuss the films as much though, because mm. I feel like we're gonna be talking about films that everybody Has knows taught, about. Today, yeah. uh, so I think we're more gonna be like. But it will also come to because there is such a difference between like best films and favorite films. Yeah. Like, so I think well, that. Then I think make... maybe we should do that. Yeah. The best film of the decade. The favorite film of the decade, which is mm. weird because our best films of the decade technically should match. Yes, if there's any justice in the world, they yeah. should match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But favorite films, they can be whatever they like. Yeah. So we'll have to figure it out. We'll need to do some research. We'll need to fight each other to figure out what's the the best. You want to go decade. right now? Huh? Fight right now. I'm ready, bro. You ready, bro? Let's fucking do it, baby. Are you ready, bro? See you next time. I'm John Wicky. Catch you next time, da, everyone. Da, da. <laughs>